Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to another episode of the Married Men Don't Talk show. We have a few rules and they are no profanity, no politics, no racial stuff. And this ain't Bible study, fellas. Uh, my name is Darren Smith and I'll be joined by my co-hosts uh, Rodney Turner and Tony Hawkins, a.k.a. T-Hawk. Uh, if you have something to say, please feel free to do so. If you prefer to just listen, that's cool. Just please put your phone on mute when you're not talking. All right, our tonight's topic is intimidation. Now, this this uh, this intimidation subject came up to me by a fellow. Uh, I don't know if he's on the phone yet or not, but uh, he 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 was looking for a show called Intimidation because that's what he was going through. And uh, last week I went through my own intimidation because you know you can be intimidated when you marry. You can be intimidated by your wife. By your children. Anybody on the phone been intimidated besides my guest? Yes, sir. <laughs> besides, besides my guest. Besides your guest. Yeah, besides my guest. Anybody been been intimidated? Yes, right, sir. Okay, who's this talking? Turn the background noise off, fellas. Can't hear. You. Who's that speaking to? Me? It was okay, me, but, but I don't have an example. Oh, okay. Well, I got an example. Last week, I was, uh, well, well, for those who don't know, I got custody of my kids when they was nine and six. In the custody paperwork, long story short, I was told not to spank them or beat them. So that was in the state of Maryland, so I moved down to Virginia because it doesn't go down there. So I had to move down there to discipline them properly. Well, 2012, we moved back to Maryland, and now the kids are, what, 16 and uh, 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 14 and 16 at this time. And, um, and I was, uh, and, I, and I'm trying to discipline them when my daughter got disrespectful with my wife. Long story short, we end up in, um, we end up going to social service, not social services, but child protective services. Child Protective Services came to the house because I spanked my daughter for disrespect, and when I tried to hit her, hit her with a belt on her behind, she put her hand back there, and there was a welt on her arm. When she went to school, she called her mom, her natural birth mom. Her birth mom called the school, told the school that I wasn't supposed to hit her because it's what it says in the court order. The school, therefore, called CPS. They investigated me. They filed charges against me for trying to discipline my daughter. And then they gave her this card and my son, this card, the CPS card saying, if your dad ever beat you, call us, so to speak. Okay, so now I am guarded by this card of them being able to call. I'm intimidated because I'm like, dang, I can't discipline them. So now it's forcing me to talk to them instead of talking to them and beating them. So that was a threat always. Now my son... Fast forward to last week, my son graduated in May from high school. I was waiting on him to go to the Marines, and I was afraid to not say nothing to him, but he just started getting over the years. Since that happened, he started getting very disrespectful, you know, like, and then it got heavier and heavier. Well, this last week, he said um, my wife had surgery, and I asked him to watch her during the daytime, you know, because she has to take pills, her medication, for every four hours or eight hours. I went to work 4.30 in the morning. I gave, them something, I gave her something to eat. I left to go to work, told, reminded the kids at 8 and 12, check on her. However, it's the summertime. They did not. 
So I called at 12, and they still sleep. A neighbor came in to check on my wife. She found that they haven't even checked on my wife at all. So she was up there, and she couldn't take a medication because they required her to eat. She got sick from not taking the medication and anesthesia, or being up on that anesthesia medication, and she threw up in the bathroom, causing her to bust one of the stitches. So then when I got home, I said, look, this is what's going to happen. I explained it to the kids how, how they were very uh, inconsiderate. And as I spoke, my, my, my daughter was kind of, you know, she was kind of remorseful. My, my son, however, he was looking at his phone, playing with his phone. Yeah, Dad, whatever, whatever, whatever. Kind of to kiss my behind sign, you know. So I said, look, I got to go to work again tomorrow. Don't let it happen tomorrow. The next day, he got up at 11 o'clock. He knows what time to take a medication. He still defied me. I came home that, that afternoon. I said, why didn't you help your mom out after I told you I talked to you all for two hours yesterday? He said, look, everybody was up. Why are you tripping? Why are you tripping there? She got taken care of. She got fed. You know, I did it when I got up. Why are you tripping? So I said, okay. So instead of knocking his face off because he got this hard, I'm upset, very upset. But I couldn't go further because I just did 12 hours of work, and I'm I'm really upset. So I said, I just is this the 18 year old? Well, he turned 19. Is there a reason he's living there? Well, let me finish my story. Oh, okay. The reason why he was the reason why he was living here because after he graduated, we he started joining the Marines, and he was we was waiting on a date from the Marines. Say, hey, you can ship out on this date. Well, I was just asking after he played that game why he was still there. Well, okay. Well, you let me finish. Okay. So um, so that was day two. The day three, I said, okay, now I got to go grocery shopping. They're sitting around here eating all day, so I have to really, really go grocery shopping because it's the first of the month and ain't no food here. So uh, usually it's a little bit left over, but they've just been sitting here eat, sitting around the house eating. So I said, okay. So the neighbor that came over, she said, well, and my wife had to go to the doctor to get that stitch checked on. So she said, Darren, I'll take her to the doctor, and you can um, go grocery shopping like, like you really need to. I said, okay, cool. I told my daughter, I said, bathroom the floor, flip the coupons, because when I come back from one store, I'm coming to get these coupons to go to the next store and do the cat litter. That's the orders I gave my, my daughter. The orders I gave my son was to just sit my grandson down at the table and just, you know, let him go over some words, let him study his uh-huh. All of this stuff. That's what I told him to do. I didn't want to give him nothing hard because I didn't want him not to do it and me to get that much more upset. Because he had this card, I thought I was locked into that. I, uh, the long story short, well, I'm trying to make it shorter. I went to the store. Three hours later, I came back. My daughter did all her stuff, had coupons for me. My son, however, I asked my grandson, what did you read today? Where, where's your writing material? What happened? He said, I didn't do anything. I said, Andale didn't help you? He said, no. I called my son downstairs. He came down with his phone. Again, I'm getting on his nerves. Answer me, yes, what? Like, what you want? I said, you didn't help Malik with his homework? He said, "Uh, no, I forgot. As if to say, what are you going to do about it? So I said, call your mother right now down in Georgia and tell her you're on your way. He was like, huh? As we were talking, because now that card is expired for him. It's only while he's 18 and under that he can use that card. So I said, okay, before I knock his head off and get a charge, let me go ahead and go ahead and send him off. I don't care if he joined the military or not. 
I'm sending him out of here right now. So I went on to make a bus, $52. I booked it, smacked a ticket on his chest. I said, you leaving next week. But he called the lady on the car, thought he was still covered, and she called me. And she told me that she told him he's not covered under me. But she called here trying to salt things out and spread things out and make sure that everything's right. I said, ma'am, it ain't nothing you can say. He's out of here. Therefore, I hung up the phone, and an intimidation is out of the window. Now I flipped the script. My daughter saw me do, kick, really kick him out, and she didn't believe it was going to happen until it happened. So I got rid of one uh, intimidation factor. Now my daughter is, in, is, is uh, intimidated that I will kick her out the same way. So I got rid of that. Any parasites in your house or my book, as my book, How to Stay Married for at Least 100 Years, it has a chapter in there called The Consequences of the Bird Not Leaving a Nest. I can't write about it and not do it. That will make me a hypocrite. So I had to follow my, my own suit. So um, if anybody got any questions for me, you can ask them now because I'm going to move on to my first guest who was also intimidated. I'm just going to say hip, hip, hooray to you, my brother. Good job. Oh, appreciate it, man. And his mom called all upset. You know, I'm like, hey, I'm not sending him to your house. I'm sending him out of mine. And I haven't lost a lot, not one week of sleep. I'm totally happy. I'm saving money. My food is staying in the refrigerator and the freezers. I'm good. Hold on, but so, he's still there tonight, right? He's still in no, there tonight. No, he's gone, tonight, bro. Right? No, he's gone. He's gone. Oh, he's already gone. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, okay. This happened last week, and I shipped him out um, this past Thursday. Oh, amen. I shipped them out quick, you know. So anybody else got any, anything for me? Because I'm going to go ah. on to my pen. Well, I don't have a, um, a question, but I have a comment. Um, yeah. it's, it seems that uh, CPS, given the kids that card, gave them a, a get-out-of-trouble-free card. Yes, so sir. So it puts you on the, 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 the short end of the stick there, and, you know, you, you step walking on eggshells around your own house, and you, you can't even – you know, exercise the authority that's given to you as being the father of those children. So exactly. that's uh, emasculating you from being able to do what you're supposed to do as a father. Exactly. And that's what the and courts we do. A, and we had, a, we had a show one night. It was called Who's Raising Your Children? And, um, and that's, that's the comment I made, I think. I felt that the courts was raising your children or making you raise them as they see fit. So it was. Right. It kind of put me in the corner and tied my hands and made me just use my mouth, and they start looking at that as being a weakness. Well, he found out that I was not playing. And I told my daughter, you can follow suit. Don't matter to me. I don't discriminate. So, but I have a, I have a special guest here. His name is, uh, I'm going to call him Mitch for short. Mitch Copeland. What's up, man? Hey, how you doing tonight? All right, um... I met you through another brother, you know, uh, Chris. He's also on the phone. But I met you through him, and, and you had an awesome story. So I'm going to start about, by asking you the first question. Anybody, If anybody got any questions for Mitch, it, it, you know, just jump in and ask him. You know, while I'm in the middle of asking, I've got to set questions that I want to ask him. But anybody got any questions for Mitch, just go ahead and ask him. All right. Mitch, I want to know, how did you meet your wife? Well, I met her online, through online personals. Um, okay. Back in 2001, yeah. Okay. And were there any and, and Mitch, Okay, and Mitch, go ahead. Mitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, was that your first time going online, you know, for dating or, or anything like that? Well, I had um, 
I kind of dabbled a little bit around that same period. Um, a buddy of mine told me about it. It, it was online, was, uh, as far as I know, it was kind of new. It was a new kind of a thing, and um, I thought I would give it, give it a shot. You know, I'd never had much success in relationships before, so I thought, you know, if you, you go in there, you put exactly who you are, exactly what you're looking for, then, the, you know, the people that the person you're looking for would, would be able to, to, to cut through the chase and, you know, uh, meet somebody that's worth your time. So around that time, you know, I wasn't a veteran, but I had used it a little bit before. Okay. And in what ways? In what ways was online banking? I mean, online dating. Excuse me. In what ways was online dating intimidating? Well, uh, using online dating itself was not um, intimidating. Um, in fact, uh, I mean, I, I grew up very shy and introverted, so it allowed me to kind of eliminate at least some of the rejection. So using the system, that that uh, method of meeting people per se, was not intimidating. It was just what happened after after I, would, I met this particular person. Mm-hmm. Right, were there any signs early on while you were dating um, what was to come? Yeah, there were, uh, there were some things. And first, let me preface that by saying this. As I just kind of alluded to a moment ago, you know, I, I grew up kind of shy and intimida- uh, introverted and, um, you know, had low self-esteem. Uh, can't tell you why, don't know what the origin of that was, but that's just something that, you know, was with me from my childhood into my early adult, adulthood. So going into, you know, dating, especially um, this uh, meeting this particular person, um, I felt that I had to, had to do, make extra concessions. I had to allow for a lot of things to, to, to have someone want to be with me. So, you know, I didn't see my, I didn't understand my worth and my true value as a man, as a person. So I felt, you know, this woman comes along and certain things are uncomfortable. I didn't like them. Oh, well, but, you know, if I want to have somebody in my life, I got to accept that stuff. So I I know that a lot of what I'm going to share is not going to make sense. But coming from that standpoint, hopefully, you know, know, it it won't be that big of a stretch. But um, you asked if there were signs early on. Um, I noticed that she was – she was a very controlling person. She, you know, she insisted on getting her way. Um, some of the things that she did early on was um, she would insist on us dressing alike. I mean, not alike, but identically. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> identically. And, and so let me, let me tell you how naive I was. I thought, wow, she really cares about me. She wants us to look alike. But, you know, in retrospect, as I look back on this thing, I realized she was branding me. She was basically oh, yeah. saying, he belongs to me, you know. So there was an intimidation factor in her picking out my clothes. You know, I, I had been dressing myself for years, at least a couple years. Wow. At that point. But she, you know, and it wasn't like a threat. If you don't, I'm going to knock you out. It was a constant, you know, uh, chipping away, chipping away, you know, just I don't understand. Why don't you want to, want to be seen dressed like me? I don't understand. I don't understand. So sometimes you can just kind of go along with something just to, to maintain peace, so that's what you give the uh, the title you give to it. So oh. um, that was um, that was one thing, and you're probably going to trip when I tell you this next one. She um, she insisted on recording my outgoing voicemail greeting. Uh, so if anybody what? called my cell phone, yeah, if anybody <laughs> called my cell phone. <laughs> so you got a woman on your 
Wow. Yeah, and trust me, I, I would get calls from friends, you know, uh, female friends, and say, uh, who is that on your voicemail? And wow. I was my, my girlfriend, why did you let her, you know, and she she's hit me, uh, don't you trust me? You know, don't you trust me? Is there somebody that you don't want to hear my voice? Are you got some other woman? Because there was always that threat, that thing about, is there another woman? You know, if you don't want to do this, then, you know, you must be hiding something, or you must have some other woman. So can I can I ask you a question? Sure. She didn't make you sit down and take a leak, did she? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, that I recall, I don't, I don't think it got that bad at that point. So no. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks but, for asking that question. She got, on, she got on your voicemail as your girlfriend and not your wife. Like, yeah, yeah. That's, that's wow. what happened. That's what happened. Wow. But so, you live so, and learn. Wait. I'm sorry. So wait a minute. So. How long did you date her? Because this was going on while you guys was just dating, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, first, first question is: Did you did she allow you to pre- reciprocate that, or did you get on her phone and say, "Hey, hey, this is my girl's phone, and you know, you want to call her, talk to me"? Did you, did she let you record your voice on her voicemail? No. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. And you know, I didn't even ask. I didn't even ask. Um, the thought never came to me, and you know, it's it's going to be really difficult to kind of have you to understand where I was at that time, why I, I agreed to go with a lot of things. And, you know, I was married for 10 years, so I endured a lot of stuff in 10 years, and it took almost to the very end of that before I, I got to the point where I said, wait a minute, you know, this, this is for the birds. I need to get out of this. So it, it took some years. So at that point, I was, I was light years away from demanding, well, let me do this, or, you know, if you're going to do it, then I'm going to do it too. I, I wasn't even okay, okay, anywhere hold on, near that. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, we, we, I'm, I'm still at the courting stage. I'm still at the dating stage. So I'm, I right. want to know how long did you date her under these conditions? Like, you know, she's controlling in the way that she's controlling your voicemails and she's doing all these other things. How long did you guys date? Um, how long did you date her before you said, before you popped the question? We have been dating, uh, let me see, we have been dating for three months before I, I, I proposed to her. Three months? And three months. And so within, when you, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say within eight months we were we were married. Okay, so. And within, within, within how many weeks was she on your voicemail? Uh, I would say probably within within a month. Within a month of us uh, meeting and starting to go out, it was about a month before she started that. How, how long did you realize that these were red flags? How long did it take you to realize that, that something wasn't right? Well, there was um, – it, it probably probably would have been maybe two and a half months into it um, when I started asking myself if I was going to be able to deal with this kind of behavior. Um, but I would always quiet it and put it aside saying, well, you know, this is what you got to do. Because, see, in my, in my estimation at the time, this was a woman, um, you know, this was a, a quality woman. That's what I thought. You know, I had okay. been dating, you know, I spent a lot of time in the clubs, going to the go-go's or whatever. So this was a woman with a career, came from what I thought was a good family. She was, you know, in the church and all that stuff. So I felt, you know, this was my best shot. This, you know, she was going to be, be the best one to come along. Did so, you have premarital uh, counseling? Eventually, eventually we did have premarital counseling, and, but it was not planned. Um, I, I'll say this, that um, she and her family were all pretty high up in, um, in the church leadership. 
So, mm-hmm. you know, when uh, we, had, we became engaged, um, it was said, well, you guys, you don't need any counseling because she was raised in the church, which is crazy. But, you know, I, I wasn't raised in the church. I kind of went along with what they were saying. But we eventually had a very small amount of um, premarital counseling when we got into an argument at her brother's house, and he was our pastor. So he saw it, and he just we just started having this impromptu marriage counseling. But um, the, the, it, the thing was, I did not allow the proper amount of time to um, find out who she was. Um, and mm. I, I know you guys know that. Um, mm. Because you can hide, you know, I use the term crazy. You can hide issues for a little while, but you can, can't hide them forever. And I just pre- pretty much eliminated any opportunity to see what exactly or who exactly I was dealing with by moving um, too fast, way too fast. Mm-hmm. And yeah. do you think you moved too fast because of the possibility that maybe you were a little intimidated by being single? Exactly. I, I had um, there was a fear. I was uh, part of the, my decision making was based on fear. Um, I was old, getting older. You know, I, all my siblings were married, kids, house, all that stuff, and then, and then there was me. And you know, I always wanted to be married, wanted to have a family, and I just. You know, I just saw the sand, you know, falling out of the hourglass. I, I so your biological was clock was ticking. Uh, in, in a sense, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> well, I got another question, Rodney. Okay. All right. Um, so when did things change when you was in the marriage? Because it seems like that, you know, everything was done under control. First of all, did you feel pressure to ask her to marry you? Um, I didn't feel pressured because I wanted to be married. You know, that okay. was my goal. However, you know, if you took that factor out of it, if if it was just a regular guy going along, dating or whatever, then, then I, I would have felt pressured because she started on this campaign of telling me, I know you, you know you love me, you know you love me, you know, mm. you know you want to marry me. You know, just like mine, you know, just keep on saying something over and over again. Um, you know, it starts to take find a root in your in your mind. It's you know it starts right. to take effect. Mm-hmm. She's saying so, seeds. She's planting seeds on you. Right, right. So if there was any res, uh, resistance or anything uh, hesitation whatsoever, then that stuff was being eroded quickly. You know. Okay. So you said that after ten years of being married to her, then that's when you tried to rise up, so to speak, and say, hey. Oh, oh, what did it start at ten years, or did it start changing in the marriage? You know, after your firstborn, or did the control issue still? Did it get worse, or did it get better? Well, um, I say the first year was relatively good. Uh, I say relatively because it was the best of all the time we we were together. Um, you know, we we went out and whatever, but there were still issues, like with communication. She wouldn't communicate with me. She didn't really value my opinion that kind of a thing, and, you know, the, the dressing alike, all that stuff continued on. Um, that uh, insane jealousy and paranoia really, you know, started to show. If there was a woman in the general area and I happened to look somewhere near her, then I was looking at this woman, you know, do you want to be with her? You know, do you like her? Is that your type? That kind of thing. And I'm like, what? I mean, I, this woman, she, they're dri- driving the car in front of us. I'm waiting for the car to pass. 
So I'm looking at the car, and it happens to be a woman driving the car. So that kind of thing. But um, after the first year, after the birth of our first child, is when her behavior changed 180 degrees. She turned it. Basically, I feel her true nature came out completely. Uh, I saw. Well, before that, I saw little snippets of it. I think there was a. There may have been a. a, a, She put a facade up like she cared and she loved me before we got married. And in the first year, maybe she was setting the hook really good so I can Mm -hmm. let my my defenses down. But once uh, our first child was born, she she really flipped. She just completely flipped out. Any semblance of a relationship was dead. Um, Like with with the fellas or something, or with with your family members, or. Well, um, there was uh, over the years. uh, She and and it wasn't just her; it was her, her family. Her family was involved. They started to chip away at my relationship with my family. So, and then after that, they started chipping away at my friend, uh, relationships with my friends. So basically, I was becoming isolated, where the only only influences in my life was them, you know, was them. How, how did you allow that to happen? I, I don't get that part. Well, it was what happened was when, if if, if we could touch on again, going back into the the, the dating part how, you know, I felt about myself. And then moving into this family who was, you know, I thought a good Christian family, and, you know, I thought that, you know, I'm, I'm going to follow them, I can trust them. So there was, there was a subtle, there was subtle inf- little things that were happening, like they would make little comments here and there. And for my part, I would make a decision as to whether or not I was going to believe what I knew about myself or I was going to accept what they were saying. And for whatever reason, most times I chose what they were saying. I set aside what I knew about myself. And um, my family started to talk to me and saying, you know, this, this isn't good. You know, you, I don't, this, doesn't, this is not healthy for you. But in my mind, I would say, they don't know her like I do. And, you know, mm-hmm. I would think about the scripture, when a man finds a wife, he leaves his mother and father and cleaves unto his, his wife. So I would nod and say, yeah, yeah, whatever. But then I would, I would stay there and just go deeper into it. You know, mm. so um, I guess after the, the first child was born, she made her first um, false allegation that I molested my daughter, um, and that stayed what? with us all the way through the marriage and beyond into the divorce. Wait a minute, what, what made her? What made her just jump to thinking that okay, my daughter's born, she's one month old, you're messing with her? What? 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 what did they come? That came from out of the blue, right? It, it, it did come from out of the blue, and I felt like I was ambushed. And I, could, I remember vividly the, the very night that it happened. She was three months old, and um, we, had, uh, we were getting ready for bed, and um, I was holding my daughter. You know, I had on boxes and a T-shirt. So um, she's getting, getting the bed ready for us to go to bed or whatever, and we went to bed. She took the, uh, my daughter and put her in the crib, and we went to bed. Two days later, she came back to me telling me um, the other night when you were holding the baby, it looks like you had a, you were aroused, like you had an erection. And I'm mm. like, what? You know, mm. two days later she said that. Not right then, two days later. So, you know, mm. and that, that's a, a, a pattern that goes throughout. You know, things that if they were really true, it would have happened right away. But they come back a couple of days later after you had a chance to think about it and find the best way to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. Wow. So, uh, yeah. Now, I, as I said, she this was the first, but... For every year, every month, every week that we were married, she would make some allegation. I, I saw what you did. I know that you, you know, 
the way you were holding it. You let her climb over you, all that kind of stuff. And, it, you know, it wasn't just her. It was her, her family, mainly her mother, who ran the whole everything. Her mom was in charge of everything. So um, when I say the allegations were made, they were made to me. They were never reported to the police. She was always in the house. You know, at, at that time, well, after my first, born was, uh, first child was born, she had actually asked, uh, kicked me out of the bedroom. So I was sleeping down the hall. Um, so this was all, you know, I don't have the benefit of her saying, well, this is what I did and this is why I did it. But all I have is to put two and two together and to look at the actions and the words right. that we're saying. So this, to me, and anyone who's familiar with the situation, this was a well-thought-out plan. Mm-hmm. The plan was she wanted to get married so she could have children within wedlock and then be able to sit at home and have somebody who would do, more than likely do, do uh, what he was told rather than cause any commotion and stand up. And that was her life because that was her parents' life. Her dad gave away his authority long before I was, I was around. So basically, I was supposed to be, or we were supposed to be, a carbon copy of her parents' life. So, yeah, that was um, the whole false um, allegation thing was the was the thing that they kept over my head. They held over my head, you know, um, to to try to get me to do the things that they wanted me to do. So, I mean, what kind of things they want you to do? I mean, I mean, you as a husband, what kind of things did they wanted you to do? Mainly, uh, the, the the main goal was to do what she wanted me to do, uh, whatever that was. But the, the, I guess the, the main the, the 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 things were continue to work and continue to work hard like a Hebrew slave. You know, I worked like twelve, thirteen hours a day, six days a week, so that she could maintain her the appearance that she wanted to have. Like you know, we had to have this huge house. You know, we had to have these. You know, she had to have this SUV. I had to have this. You know this. The, the image, that was her most valued possession, her image. So, you know, I, I, I went through all that, you know, all the, um, the false allegations. Later on, I found out that, that they had been telling the people in our church, you know, and, and these, you know, our life revolved around this church that we went to. So, all the, you know, I, I want, looking back, I, was, I wondered why everybody stopped being so warm to me. You know, stop me to hug, give you the shoulder-to-shoulder hug you get in church or whatever. So yeah. then that turned into a, a wave across the room. You know, hey, how you doing? But wow. all these so-called Christians, people that uh, know and love God, nobody said a word. They knew all the stuff that was happening, but nobody said a word. Can I make a suggestion? Say again? Can I make a suggestion? This is cute. Um, I, I think, and, and hopefully to people who listen to the broadcast when they upload it can, can understand what I'm about to say. I think this is why males, this is my belief, this is not the show's belief, but this is why males need to be extremely empowered and um, thinking of how they benefit out of a situation because as a former counselor, I used to always hear males, especially in the church, be victimized in similar type of ways because people think that your love for God is so strong that you are now a servant. And my personal belief as a secular guy is that 
the people who have less of that have less of that problem. The people who put their foot down the first time have less of a problem. I only make the suggestion that I think moving forward, still be a godly man, but do and operate in such a way that if it don't benefit you, not even a little bit, consider that a warning sign. We're dealing with today's 2014 Christians. Mm-hmm. They are totally different than than what they should be. They go to church and they argue in the uh, parking lot. They uh, uh, tell you about yourself with the Bible and go have sex with your wife on the parking lot uh, ground. So these are different type of people nowadays. Well, and that's well, not I, to say that – go well, ahead, I'm about, this, to, I'm about to get it. No, but this, this, this sounds like – this going to sound like the normal – Church. It sounds like more of a cult. It, um, no, I, no, I've, I've been behind doors, bro. I've, 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 okay, I've operated. I mean, but I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm asking my man. I mean, I, I don't know how he. I don't. I know how you feel, but he's the one who went through this. So I'm asking him. I mean, I might be wrong, but it sounds like a cult type of thing to me. Yeah, I, you know. First, I, I agree with the brother said about finding out what's good for you, you you got to be a godly man, but at the same time, you got to be, you got to use common sense, you know, don't give away everything in the name of God, and then find yourself, you know, caught up, as I was, but yes, this was a cult, it was oh, a cult. Oh, okay, so that, that, is that your opinion, or that's how you felt, or, well, I mean, if, that, that's my opinion, that's how I felt, and I think if you look at the definition of a cult, it's a group of of people who give away their own um, autonomy, that give away their own um, beliefs and their own will in favor of the will and, and the direction of, of one person, you know, that's, that's what it was. Okay. You know, when I say her mother was in charge of everything, she sits atop, you know, the hierarchy here where everybody kind of bows down. And as long as you uh, do what you're, what you're supposed to do, what she, do what she wants you to do, agree, fall in line behind her, then you're golden. You know, you get to come to the house for Thanksgiving dinner, go on family vacations, all kinds of stuff, and they, they build you up. But if you step step up and say, well, I don't know, what this is what I think, mm-hmm. then they, they start to, it, it happens in degrees. They'll, they'll come and they'll start trying to talk to you. I don't think it's really good for because some people don't understand, like you and I do, whatever. But if they find that you cannot be put back in line, then they cast you out, and then they throw you under the bus. They they speak about you from the pulpit, about so-and-so, well, some you didn't know, we had an issue with this person, they're no longer here. So that is not godly. That is not, you know, not from any Bible I've read. So, well, so go ahead. Hmm? No, 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 I was going to ask you, you said you had one kid with it, and then she started all these molestation charges. And you right. see, you start to see the, a little bit of, you know, what was going on here. Did y'all have any more kids, or did you just say, you know what, I'm done with this shit? No, we had we had two more kids. So uh, answer me this. A woman says that she saw you molesting a child, I mean, almost weekly. But a few years later, she's going to have two more kids with you. Well, first of all, she's not going to call the police right then and there after she beats you down, you know, and then she's not going to grab the kid and, and, and move out or kick you out. But five, exactly. a few years later, she's going to have some more kids and still not report it. Until I file for divorce, and then the the official 
um, reports were, were filed with the court and CPS and, and the police. So, you know, the actions, it, it, it's clear. I mean, yeah. and thankfully yeah. the courts never believed what she said. After 11 false allegations, five CPS investigations, um, they, they never believed it. And I have a better relationship with my kids now out of the house than I had with them when, they were, when I was in the house with them. So I take it that I take it that um, crazy was not listed in her online dating profile. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think she she may have had it, but she deleted it later on. But uh, it, was, it was there. I think that was right after long walks on the beach, right? <laughs> <laughs> in little tiny letters, crazy. Mm. So yeah, there, there was some serious personality uh, disorder, uh, a serious personality disorder that came out um, in court. Um, later on uh, so these are things that you would have found out I would have found out had I allowed you know a year two years um, to go by with dating getting to know this person say wait a minute something mm-hmm. right you know and that's the and, and that's the thing I was trying to suggest I was trying to come from a helping standpoint of mm-hmm. not you but just situations like that because I had to deal with them so much at the church that I was counseling way back when Mm. You you get these gentlemen, cult or not, unfortunately, who they're so subservient to the system of God that they forget themselves, and it's it's a reverse codependence. So my only suggestion, and I'll be quiet after this, is that I think more males need to start coming from these couplings from the standpoint of yes, I'm obeying God, but is this on paper? beneficial for me other than the cute smile and the fact she loves God too. Is it on paper? Because we sadly, or the guys I end up counseling, they sadly overlook so many stuff. You got dudes who used to get beat by their women, literally beat in front of their kids by their women. Well, Classy, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, okay. All right, Johnny. This this, is Darren. The reason why the reason why I'm asking you to hold on because you just stepped on um, the next guest, but because I, I I definitely want you to address the next guest with what you was about to say about the woman beating on the man because we got to talk to that guy too. You agree? Hey, can I can I ask a question really quick? Yeah, go ahead. Um, to the brother the brother that was just going through the situation, um. I understand, um, you know, pretty much, I guess, what Clancy would consider uh, making sure that things benefit you or probably uh, being a man. But I can a little bit relate to your to your thought process, I believe, because it's, uh, I was, um, when I very first started dating and stuff like that, I just wanted to be a good man, mm-hmm. a good boyfriend or whatever. And I would I wouldn't expect that the person that I'm dating or that's suppo- that's filling me, I wouldn't expect her to be manipulating me. Mm-hmm. So I was just so I would be pretty much just available for whatever suggestion was 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 being put out there. Mm-hmm. And it sounds to me like that's probably what you were doing. You were just kind of, you know, this person likes me. I like this person. I'm not looking for this person to be uh, telling me the wrong thing or intentionally manipulating me. So I'm gonna just kind of roll with it as long as it doesn't, you know, probably as long as it doesn't physically harm me. And it sounds like you just came into it available for marriage. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, that last statement just pretty much, um, 
you know, put a stamp on it. Pretty, uh, yeah, definitely. But um, what I'm confused with. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead. No, I, what I was confused with is if you got if your jubilee light came on after the first kid and she was making all these accusations and allegations and telling the the rest of the church that you did this to your firstborn. When were you thinking, okay, now let's have another kid? Hmm. Well, let me let me say this: when she made the allegation um, to me, then that first time. I didn't think, oh, what, what's this woman trying to do? She's trying to, she's trying to get me. I didn't think that. I thought that she made a mistake. She, she's mistaken, and I need to prove to her who I really am. So I tried extra hard to oh. win this woman over. So I, I went, I mean, I made a wrong turn, and I kept on heading the wrong way instead right, of turning okay. around, you know. Now, um, is this after she threw you out the bedroom? Um, well, this happened right before. So soon after that, you know, she was when she she put me out. She didn't put me out because, you know, I know what you did with with, uh, with our daughter. She she put me out because she said I was snoring. Um, I had you know I, I didn't know it. I'm usually asleep when I'm asleep, so I didn't know I was snoring. Um, wow. And you know, she would wake me up. I mean, literally would be assaulting me, just hitting me and yoking me by the collar. And I'm like, well, what? You're snoring. I'm like, what the heck? You know, so then, you know, she she said, I need you to leave. And I said, no, I'm not leaving. So you're going to have me and your your infant daughter sleep in the guest room. So then she hit me with the the shame and, and all that. So I, I did go down. I never I never saw the inside of that master bedroom again. And that was um, like the second year of the of the marriage. Wow. Yeah, so and you, the well, question may be... No, it was, you said earlier that uh, she isolated you from all your family, and I know this was heavy on your heart. So yeah. did you ever have to go back to your, your family and say, hey, look, you know, did anybody else know what was going on outside of her circle? Um, I, I started talking to uh, my sister about it, and um, we're not telling her everything, just little, little things, because, you know, they say men don't tell you, tell you how you feel or whatever, but I, I need to get this off of me. So I talked to my, my sister about it, and she started researching. Unbeknownst to me at the time, she started researching this, and she would come back to me um, saying, you know, you're, you're in an abusive relationship, you know. And, but she, after a while, I would stop listening to her. You know, I wouldn't listen to her because, you know, I was still in, in denial of what was going on. I still believed that, you know, that she made a mistake, and, you know, they don't know her like I do, so I'm married to her. I, I did this for life, so i got to give it my best shot. Um, so she started, my sister started recognizing that I was, I was not listening to her completely. So she would call me up and do stuff like, uh, I mean, do stuff like call me up and say, here, write this down, uh, All right, talk to you later. And then she would hang up the phone. Um, and she, she knew I would look at it because she said it, but you know, we, she couldn't, we couldn't have a conversation about it. Why not? Um, well, if if we would have continued, you know, I would change the subject. I wouldn't talk to her about it. You know, I would tell her, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't feel right or whatever. I'm feeling stressed. I'm just feeling stressed. But I wouldn't say because this is what she, my my wife is doing to me. And she would she would say, and she started noticing stuff too when she was you know, early on. The family would come over, you know, for visits or whatever. But later on, they were given, you know, the impression that they weren't welcome by my my wife at the time and her family. 
So I mean, um, how, how, what 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 signs did she say? Would she say just get out, or she didn't cook right, or she burnt their food, or I mean, what kind no. of cold shoulders was she giving? Well, she at first, um, you know, when my family would have stuff like birthday gatherings or whatever, um, we would go, and then it, it happened gradually in in stages. We would go, and then we would go late, and then she would, you know. We would be really late, and, and I'd be ready to leave. You know, we were leaving the house when the thing was was starting, was when we were supposed to be at the place. And she would say, I'm not feeling good. I'm not going. And then she just stopped going altogether. And then I stopped going because I didn't want to go to these things by myself and show that we were not living a unified right. wife. I was tr- life. I was trying to protect her image with my family. Um, but then when they would come to our house uh, for, like, a birthday, whatever, they would. There was always food, and you know, would always be a bunch of her family members there, and then my family members were all in, in a different room. Like we had this big great room, and then my family would be sitting in the in the in one room, and her family would be sitting around the table. So when food was with the food was ready, and it was time to eat. They wouldn't tell them. They would just fix their plates, and then my family was, or I guess the food is ready, so we would go. And, in your house. In this and my house. house. Yeah. In my house, and a lot of the times when. Um, my family was coming over uh, for whatever event it was. At the last minute, my wife would come up with some kind of little chore. Um, I, can you run to BJ's? I need you to get this or whatever. So I would be out of the picture when they were first. So I don't know what happened, you know, um, what happened at, at the house. But I, do, I did find out once that my wife uh, at the time, she, she kind of yelled at my, my young nieces for, you know, going upstairs to go to the bathroom. Um, I didn't know this until after the fact. They didn't tell me about this. So basically, you know, there was like, well, you're not welcome here. They didn't say it like that, but, yeah. you know, nonverbal communication is, is more more powerful than verbal. And, you know, my family stopped coming. They said, you know, I, I'm not going back out there. So, uh, yeah. So what are the forms of intimidation that you experienced with your wife? Well, um, later on down the line, um, when uh, these allegations have been have been building up and going on and on. My my wife sent a letter to my my mom because my mom was acceptable to them. She was more of a peacemaker, more of a passive personality, so she was welcome. But my siblings, they were more dominant, more aggressive, so they weren't welcome. So uh, she sent a letter to my mom um, outlining all these false allegations, trying to get her to, to quote, unquote, get me help, you know, get me, you know, help me with, with my problem or whatever. Wow. So um, she, my mom showed this to my siblings, my sister, my brothers, and they just, you know, they consulted some legal um, friends in the, in the family law, and they, they got some advice. They lo- loaded up in the car, and they came out to the house and had an impromptu, unannounced uh, family meeting that was just the word explosive doesn't really do it justice. Mm. Um, you know, um, this was building up, so everybody knew um, – what was going on, and um, one of my, my siblings is in law enforcement, and this was the first he had heard of this, so he was duty-bound to call it in. So he did, and then that's how the, the, the police, the first CPS investigation took place then um, mm-hmm. when, you know, I went down, I sat with a detective and told him my side of the story, and CPS came and investigated, and um, what happened was, they sent a letter after the investigation, they sent a letter to the house basically saying, um, as, as a result of this investigation, um, these allegations um, have no merit. The child is safe. 
this investigation is now closed. No further action will be taken. But she's sitting at home, so she hid that letter. I didn't see the letter for three years. So all the while she's, you know, holding this thing over my head or whatever. Um, And getting to the point of the question, intimidation, she wrote a letter to me um, and left it on my bed one day when I got home from work. Um, And she and the kids had left, basically saying, uh, well, at the time it was just one daughter, um, unless and until you admit to what you're doing and stop denying it, then, you know, you're never going to have uh, a normal relationship with me, no intimacies, no conversation. Um, you're going to sleep in the guest room, and God is not going to bless you because you, you are lying. You're refusing to acknowledge the truth. He can't help you if you won't acknowledge what you've done. So I don't know what's going to happen. I'm waiting to hear what he's going to say in terms of whether I'm going to stay with you or not. So, you know, still I'm thinking this woman is, is you know, she's, she's thinking she's not seeing things right the way they are. Um, so I had a conversation with her brother, who was our pastor, and he, to- he chimed in and basically said, um, you know, sh- your, your wife is stuck on your, your saying it's, it hasn't happened. You know, maybe you should stop denying it. Maybe you should just, wow. you know, say, you know, say, stop saying you didn't do it. And then he shared the story about stepping on someone's foot and not knowing it and whether or not he realized he had done it. He still had offended or injured that person. So maybe it happened and you, you're blocking it out and you just don't remember it, you know. So I thought about it. And this, is, this is my pastor. This is someone that I trusted. So I wrote her an email, never believing that I had done it, knowing that I didn't do it. But I sent an email. I, well, I, talk, I talked to my, my wife on the phone and said, look, you know, I don't know, some, maybe something happened. I just don't remember it. I blocked it out or whatever. And, you know, she said, well, I don't, it sounds like you just, you're just doing what my brother told you to do. I don't believe it. You're just saying what you want me to say. So what I did was I took the language, and it was foolish. I took the language in her letter, and I put it, you know, from, in my voice and emailed it to her. And I sent it to her by email rather than tell her because I wanted her to see that I was serious. Wait, wait, wait. What did you make back up? You said you took the language out of the email from her email, and you sent I don't understand that. Well, the letter that she wrote for me, that she left for me that night saying, until you acknowledge um, what you've done, these heinous acts or whatever, um, you know, you're never going to get the blessings that God has for you. All, all, that, all the wording, the verbiage oh, okay. that she put. And gotcha. I, I put it in an email saying, I, you know, uh, I want to apologize for these heinous acts. You know, I just use her words. Mm-hmm. And, okay. um, and she still rejected it saying, you know, I, I don't believe it. I think you just, you're just saying, how can you say you did something, you don't remember it? Um, but here's the thing, the timing of it. That event took place one week after the letter from CPS saying that I was innocent would have arrived in the mailbox. So right. she had a week to put her head together with her family to, uh, saying CPS is not doing what we wanted them to do, so we need to find another way. We need to get him to admit it. So right. that's what happened. And that's what they presented in court um, along with, um, you know, they had friends and whatever that filed um, claims against me saying that they had, they had seen the kids say stuff or, or do stuff, strange stuff or whatever. But each time they filed, the courts would shoot it down, and uh, you know, 11 times. But, you know, the, that's the good part. The bad part is it cost about $100,000 over two years to clear my name and to allow me to, to successfully defend my right to be a father to my kids. So, and now... 
she, you know. Is this woman still alive? <laughs> yeah, she's, she's still alive. And I, I was going to say. Because I got women, friends. I'm just saying I got friends. <laughs> I, I, I'm not even going <laughs> to get that to show up. <laughs> Isn't this you on? I was record? joking, man. I'm just joking. Yeah, yeah. Trust me. I, yeah, I know. I know. Hey, brother. Uh, brother, can I ask you a quick question? Sure. Do you take full responsibility for all of this stuff that happened to you? I don't take full responsibility, but I do take some responsibility um, to the point that um, my mindset, the way I viewed myself was wrong, and I chose to accept this from another person. At any point, I could have said, you know what, forget you, I'm done. So I could have ended this right away, but she's still culpable for what she did. Her family's still culpable for what they did. And, I mean, I know better. I'll never go through this again. And just to the point of um, the brother, that I forget, I forget the name, that was a counselor, um, that uh, you were saying how we need to take a look and see what we can get out of every situation. Um, one thing that I do now is when people come to me and say, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm getting married, man, I'm getting married. I don't just say, oh, man, that's great, that's great. I wish you all the, the love and the, the luck in the world. No, I, tell, I ask them questions. How long have <laughs> you known this woman? What, what right. the, you know, you got, you got to do that because if you don't, then you are doing a disservice to these people that are coming right. to you. They not just, they don't want you to just smile and glad hand them and slap them on the back. You know, it's yeah. your job and saying, look, man, let me, let me, let me. I don't want to ruin everything for you. I don't know her, but let me help right. you to make, make you, uh, enable you to make a good decision. Do you so, agree with that, Dean? Huh? Do you agree with that? Oh, one hundred percent, man. Oh, one hundred percent. I mean, especially after you've been through something, you know, after you've been through something, it's, you're doing a disservice if you see something wrong. Like I told my brother, hey, that wife you about to marry, she reminded me of my ex-wife. If she didn't remind me of my ex-wife, I mean, if she did and I didn't say nothing, then I would, I would be, you know, hurting him right. without giving him a heads up to what I know and I recognize what's controlled and what's, what's not, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, yeah, 100%, I agree with that. It's, it's pretty interesting what he's talking about. Um, my wife and I had a couple that we counseled uh, a year and a half ago, and they literally got married 109 days after they, they met each other. Hmm. <laughs> and I mean, you did talk you about that a new level of crazy. <laughs> but, did, but did you give them that advice, Andrew, or maybe like what he just said? Oh, no, no, no. They came to us after they were married. Oh, oh, okay. They wanted counseling after they, uh, maybe three months after they got married, and 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 the crazy started coming out, mm-hmm. you know. And dude was like, and he was like, you know, big in the church, up in the da 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 da, elder in his church, all kind of stuff. And I couldn't believe it. He married the girl. 109 days after you he met her. So I had a little joke, running joke. I just called him 109, you know. <laughs> and, and, you know, after some counseling, this and that, and, and, and I said one day, I, you know, he came over. I was like, dude, she got some deep-seated issues. Mm-hmm. But, oh, yeah, kind of like the brother just said, yeah, but, you know, I want to honor God. I want this and that. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> well, he told her what I had said to him. Well, now I'm the boogeyman. Oh, okay. All right. And, 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 and she won't even look at me. Girl in our uh-huh. church, she won't even look at me. Okay. Okay. Well, it don't matter to me. You know, it's the truth. Right. Right. And, 
Less than a month ago, he calls me up and says she went crazy again, and I'm done. And I'm like, mm. uh, was 109 days after after you meet somebody to be married. That's just like that's a new level of crazy. Yeah. yeah. After we finish the interview, I have a question for the Christian men. Okay, now I want to go back. I want to go back um, before class asks this question. I want to go back to um, the brother was saying about that his wife was talking about if if he didn't do something, something about the lack of intimacy. Mm-hmm. And were you intimidated by the lack of in- intimacy? And I don't know how often y'all were intimate. I mean, it, with with her crazy behind, it doesn't sound like often, but mm-hmm. were you intimidated when she was kind of holding that over your head like, you know, if you don't do X, you know, the intimacy is going to decrease even further yeah uh, i definitely uh, that definitely had a profound impact on me because we we were intimate uh, as i said living in in separate um, rooms literally once a year now when i say once a year it may be two days you know uh two consecutive days always around september or october you know i don't know what the significance of that uh, that um the date uh the month is but um so Two days out of a year, you know, that was the norm. You know, every now and again, you know, maybe she'll slip up and come down before the year is up. But um, so, you know, I was, and I, I'm not one to cheat. I've, I've never cheated, so I wasn't going to cheat on her or, or, or um, you know, go outside the marriage. So, but the intimidation part came where, you know, I know it's probably rare, but uh, there may be a time when you know, when your woman comes to you and and you, you're really not in the mood. You got some things on your mind, or you you know something. But you know it was at her whim. Whenever she felt like even and not not just um, sex, but just hugging and kissing her. You know sometimes I would I would hug her, and then the next day I would get this this nasty email saying um, I need you need to allow me um, to determine when we are going to. Um, uh, when I'm going to hug you, um, you, you're not what? to hug me. You're not to kiss me. And, you know, there was a, a time when uh, when we were still, you know, intimate, still hugging and kissing, whatever, um, but that little changeover when she started to pull away or, you know, change her, her, her methodology, where I would go to kiss and she would kind of put her hands on my chest and, and, and lean back and just look at me like she was trying to read my mind. And that made me feel like, feel like I was like two inches tall. I'm like, well, what yeah. do I stink? What you know? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't understand that. I don't know what that behavior was for, and she right. couldn't explain it. But it was all, you know, um, all part of the what I call crazy making. You know, just something mm-hmm. to keep you off, off, uh, off balance, uh, along Where's with she? telling you that you did and said things that you know you didn't do or say, um, that kind of stuff. Did she Where's remarry? She? No. No, no, she hasn't. But I understand she's got some, some, her next victim lined up. So, um, yeah, I got that dude. Like a black widow. Like a black widow. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's why I was going to ask you. I was going to ask the same thing. Andrew asked you. Went like, when did you? Okay, you went through ten years of this stuff, mm-hmm. and it sounded like it was pretty bad after year two or three when right. you start, you know, uh, making love to her once a year. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you finally say, you know what, enough is enough? I mean, you spent hundreds of thousands. You, spent, you say you spent about $100,000 just to clear your name. When did you just finally say, you know what, uh, I'm done? Um, what happened was my mom had given me a book 
on um, verbally abusive relationships, and I read it. And the book read like uh, a script from, uh, you know, any day in my house. So I didn't know the author, she didn't know me, so I had to pay attention to it. It kind of opened my eyes, like, dang, this is exactly, I mean, that's what she does. She does this. I mean, classic. She just fit all the classic stuff. Um, so that started the process. But um, what really, I guess what really got me um, over the top was I started having um, symptoms, physical symptoms of stress. Um, like uh, when I would eat, food would get stuck in my chest, you know, in, for several minutes. And it's like a pain. My, my, my throat would not, the, the throat, I don't know if that's the esophagus or what, but it would constrict on the food. And, you know, I had pains in my neck. You know, I had spots in my face, on my beard that were perfectly um, bald, round circles, perfectly round circles in my beard. So I, I went to the doctor to find out what was going on, and this guy, he walked in, he told me, you know, he asked me, uh, so what's going on? I said, well, I got this. He said, no, 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 I, I can read your chart. I want to know what's going on, something's at work, something at home, because when you got this, that could be anything, but when you add all these things together, this is stress. And, man, listen, this is going to kill you. As a matter of fact, it's already started. Now, I'm not wow. saying it can kill you. It will kill you. You are already demonstrating or exhibiting wow. the, the stress. So that was that was it. That was it for me. And then I, wow. I um, met with an attorney and I, I filed for divorce. So did you get, did you get the kid? I'm gonna I'm about to wrap this interview up because I have to I have another guest. But I, I just got to ask you this: um, Did did you get the kid? Who got the kids in the divorce? Well, they, she has primary custody, um, and the reason why, um, the reason being the court said that the kids were used to her being the primary caregiver, um, and they were not used to me being a, pr- a primary caregiver. I was always at work. So um, we, I had them regularly, and um, I think uh, I believe that 50-50 time between parents is, is, is best. Um, yeah, yeah. Because they, yeah, they need – the, the the last form of intimidation is the parental alienation, them um, planting stuff in my kids' minds, um, trying to turn them against me and against my family. Um, so 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 the intimidation didn't stop after the divorce. It kept going through the kids. Oh yeah, well it kept going through the kids, and you know the the fi- the actual filing of the um, uh, false allegations with the court didn't happen until. Uh, a couple of weeks after I filed for divorce. So uh, she took her allegations made to me, and she made them official right after I filed for divorce, not before. And you still got to pay for that, or are you done with the courts? Or? I'm, I'm done. Um, you know, the, the, the definitive word was given at the final divorce hearing that they didn't believe one bit that I had injured these kids in any way, and that's a fact. And those were the exact words, and they burned into my mind. I'll never forget those words. Because with that statement, it took off nine, ten years of weight off of my shoulders. Yeah. So, you know, I'm I'm done with that. Although she still tries to, uh, you know, say stuff or, you know, you're not supposed to. Mommy said I'm not supposed to let you, you know, you're not supposed to, um, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, so when your kids come over, you still kind of at bay to hug them or you kind of got to stand, um, stand away or got to think about what you do and say around them. Right. I still have to be very careful. And I, I record my um, the exchanges. I record every exchange um, to protect me against false allegations. So I have like two, almost three years of video on a hard drive 
of every visit, you know, of much of the visits and every exchange, so that I can prove wow. the kids' behavior wow. and you know what's what's true and what's not true. And, and can I ask you a question? Sure. Uh, during the time that you courted her or got to know her, you never mm-hmm. saw a sign that told you a red flag that told you mm, there's something wrong. Nothing. Oh no, no, I I saw I saw some red flags early on, not to the extent where I would be falsely accused, but I I saw um evidence and signs of controlling um behavior um you know early on, but I chose at that time to ignore them. Why? Mm. If you saw, if, if you had the sense that she was being controlling you, trying to control, mm. why would you say no, it's not important? Well, uh, I shared earlier that at that time, my um, self-esteem was so low that I I felt that I had to accept certain things from her if I wanted to have someone, if someone would be willing to spend their life with me. So not having a a good um, idea of of my value as a person um, put me in a situation where I accepted all kinds of nonsense, but I'm not there anymore. So that that could never happen to me again. But, and, and, but, and, that, and, and just want to make a point of this. That's the reason that I truly feel a lot of men need to date a lot of women. That's the reason a lot of men, before they get married, need to really find their value. Because if you don't, you will have situation like the brother was saying. A lot of men need to do that. You know what? Uh, just like Stan was saying, I, I just want to ask, and that's what we're trying to get to before uh, Darren had made that other suggestion. Uh, how can your spirit be low when you're in faith? Say that one time. How can your spirit be low if you were in church? <laughs> there, there's a lot of people that are in church whose um, spirits are low, who are you know beat down, and as, as been said on this call. Um, just because you're in in a church, people, I mean, you can claim all kinds of titles in church, apostle, deacon, whatever, even to the pastor. You know, as I said, my ex-brother-in-law was part of this. He was complicit in this and even lied on the witness stand. Um, You know, these things, they're still, the reason is, at the root of all of that, you're still a human being. You're not God, you're a human being. So you can say all you want. I'm doing this and this is what I do. You know, it's just words. Mm. Wow. There's a term called "godded." You can be godded, where somebody will come at you with God and, and you know a Christian, and that's that's sinful, whatever. And it's a manipulation, and it's a, it's a form of intimidation, where you know a sister, you don't do this in this church. We never accept. You know, I mean, I, what I do for myself as a Christian, I try to put Jesus in that person's position. And 99.9% of the things that people say and do to each other in the church are not things that I would I could really see Jesus Christ doing Himself. Right. So there's church, the business of church, and then there's relationship. So, and that's a whole other subject. But <laughs> saying you're in a church doesn't doesn't say much. It just tells you where you where you are most likely on Sundays. You know, doesn't doesn't mean anything in terms Amen. of. Uh, you know, if you're really in there, it should dictate your behavior and everything. But there's a lot of people that are just going to church because that's what you're supposed to do. You know, um, but their their hearts may not be in it. Wow. Go ahead, Malcolm. I, I, I just want to ask uh, Darren, Darren, Darren and Tony, do y'all coincide with that? Because you guys are, are like very, very Christian. Do you guys believe that's the theory? 
I, I what, is very, very wait, wait, what is very, very Christian meme? What, yeah, what, yeah, what is very, very Christian, first of all? What is that? Where do you get that from? When, when I listen sometimes, I get the impression that there's no wiggle room. So I, I'm, I'm asking a sincere question on, do you believe that in this example that he gave, I believe there's wiggle room, but do you gentlemen believe that? Wiggle room in the way he handled his situation? The way he just spoke about that just because you're in church doesn't mean that you're necessarily not um, uh, in, in, in moments of, of self-doubt, depression, whatever the case may be. You want to get that, Tony? I, I can take it. I understand that. And, Darren, I, I, you I understand what he's saying. Yeah, I can, I can understand what he's saying. He, he's saying. He's saying that, dude, I can't hear you. Well, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, no, I, I believe in a structure of your own spirit. If your spirit telling you, and just like he said, he said, you, he, he, the way he does it or design his, his focal point is if Jesus doesn't act like what you're acting like, then I'm not going to go with that. And that's, that's the same when you try somebody's spirit by your own spirit. He's just doing the same thing that you're supposed to do as a Christian. You know, yeah, I mean, if you want to call me a super-duper Christian because I live by a structure that doesn't fall or doesn't fall, then, yeah, I mean, it was, like I said, it was easy for me to put my son out because I was following a structure and a guideline. So it makes, it, it makes my life super easy when I follow a guideline that, that, that works. So, but the people in the church, if I see them not following a guideline, whether they're pastoring or doing the deacon thing or doing even marriage counseling, if they're not following a structure or a guideline, then I already see by my spirit that your spirit is not pure. So I just keep it moving, and I I know the truth, you know. Hey, can I add to that real quick? Um, I would consider myself um, very, very Christian, if that's a if that's a word, and to me. It has nothing, the church has nothing to do with any particular individual or any particular groups of individuals. If they're not doing the right thing, that don't have anything to do with Christianity. So I don't give any man the ability to tank Christianity personally. If they don't have it, if they're not doing right by, by Christ, if they're not doing right by people, that's, them, that's on them alone, and it's under the guise of the church, or they may be physically be inside the church, they may, may be running the church, but that doesn't represent Christ, in my opinion. Yeah, that's that's, that's what the, that's what the Bible called a Pharisee, because they was also in church, but they was flipping things. Mm-hmm. So, but but I, I want to thank you, Mitch, man. Uh, you you blessed us tonight with your testimony, man, and, and your story, because and it's going to be some brothers that going to need to hear that to give them the the strength to walk out of what they're in. So. Um, but I really appreciate you. You can stay on the call, man, and, and hear my next brother's uh, testimony. I want to talk to uh, Chris. You still on, man? I'm on. Chris, okay. So um, how you doing, bro? Oh, this is not Chris. This is Craig. Yeah, oh, I'm no. here, Derek. Okay, yeah, I'm looking for that, Chris. Okay, Chris. Um I, I, I want to get to your story next, man, because you decide to do something about it, and which is not the right thing to do, but, you know, in your, at that time you felt that you probably felt that it was the right thing. 
So and your and your angle was, you know, I'm gonna hit this woman. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna be on women. You know, it, it, am I am I right in saying that? Yes. Okay. So um, now now let, let, let me put it out there. We're gonna respect all the guests. This is when Chris was in the world and he didn't know what he knows now. Now he knows it was wrong. So we're not gonna attack him for the way he was thinking and what he did. But um, but we do want to ask him what drove you to the point of starting to hit women. What started that? Well, growing up, there was no male role model for me. No father, no uncle, no grandfather, no next door neighbor, nobody. My male role models in turn became street people, thugs, if you will. And these are the guys who I turn to for advice on pretty much everything in my life, how to handle my finances, how to handle my affairs, how to handle yada, 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 yada. Okay. All right, so go ahead. These individuals were abusive to the people who they dealt with, and they told me this is how you check a woman. And it worked for them. So I said, well, it's got to work for me. Okay. So were you ever married? I was married twice. Okay. I imagine you you beat your your wives, too. Well, my first one. Whenever you hear my story, and I don't know who on the line has heard my story before other than uh, uh, other guests. And before I continue, let me take a minute and say I appreciate these two brothers coming out and doing this. You know, when my men don't talk, call me and say, this is the topic, I need some people, I didn't hesitate to reach out to my squad, and they didn't hesitate to say, yeah, we'll come on and we'll do that for them. So, brothers, I do appreciate y'all coming out. Yeah, I I appreciate you, man. Um, Redirect your question, please. I was just asking you, you know, did you, you said you, you hurt, you hit your first wife. Um, did you hit her because you was intimidated by her, or did you hit her while y'all was dating, or how did that even, was in, you know? I wasn't intimidated by her, but I was taught that your woman should be scared of you and intimidated by you. Oh, okay, okay. And so, so my job was to be intimidated. Okay, and your intimidation was through hitting them. And... Right. It didn't start off like that. It started off with me doing other things. It started like off what? with me being verbally abusive. It, started, it didn't just start off physical. It started off with verbal abuse, you know, a different other avenues of intimidation, and it led up to physical abuse. Okay, and then and, and your wife, your your first wife, when y'all was boyfriend and girlfriend, it was just all uh, verbal abuse at first while you was, you know, before you got married to her? It might have been some economical abuse, financial abuse, um, some other abuses there, but it was primarily verbal. And kind of like when you told the story about what happened in your house with your son, After a while, certain things don't intimidate you no more. So you got to take another action. Your action was to say, get out. My action was to escalate my intimidation tactics. Gotcha. And and was it open? You always just open hand or was it always closed fist? 
Oh, it varied. I mean, uh, it varied. That's a wild question. I've never never been asked that before. (laughs) 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 Depending on what kind of mood you in, you get the open hand and the close. It wasn't. Because I did. I never. I never hit her. Right? I never hit her like a dude. But I never fist her. I wouldn't beat her like that. I would maybe push her and or or smack her or grab her hair or snatch her up or something like that. It wasn't beat down like I was street fighting. Oh, okay, okay. Now I was just asking because you know uh, when I was coming up, my my mom was in an abusive relationship and we saw the old nine and it was like WWF and then the kids shouldn't see. None of that stuff. Now, did any of this happen in front of the kids, or did y'all have kids when you first went? We did. We had two. Okay. Did they ever see you manhandle their mom? Well, no, because at the time when we were having kids, I was also dealing with chemical dependency, and so I was off the time, a lot of times on drug runs and missions and out doing my drug thing. You know, I would come home, the kids would be there, I would play with them and rock with them. But by the time the second child came, it was off the hook. It was out of control. And so we weren't even in the same household at that point. So when you intimidated the, um, the women, how did you, I mean, how you know? how do you know to intimidate a woman like that? Because the reason why I'm asking these questions, these women got to understand that, you know, once they see all these signs, they have to understand that this might not be the guy for me. Okay. I so these questions is for these questions are for the women that are listening and are paying attention to you know just like my man earlier my man Mitch said earlier all these signs that he went through all the things that he went through it he has to pass it on to the next brother. The first question he asked, how long have you known her? And he probably asked him a billion more after that. So these are the questions that, that we need to ask these single ladies that are dating these men. Hey, okay, I know you're ready to get married. I know you're 45 years old, no kids, and you want to get married. So does he do, does he do this to you? Does he do that? So that's my, my question is coming from that line. Okay, well, I had a system. I had a process that I developed along with some other people on how to find a girl that you can easily intimidate that would understand and deal with intimidation. And one of the things that you looked for was somebody who came from a background of abuse. Like from other dudes or from from uh, her parents? It could be other dude. It could be in the home. It could be in the school. But they were accustomed to abuse. And so in the mind of an abuser, I would say as long as I don't treat her worse than her dad, I mean, good shape. So you you would you would you would ask these women, hey, anybody you ever been slapped? You ever been slapped before? Or you nah, know, nah, nah, it don't work like that. You kind of develop a sixth sense, like you know what you want in a woman. So you develop kind of a sixth sense when you see somebody, you watch them, you know that's it, that's not it. You can develop a sixth sense for negativeness too. And I kind of learned how to pick a female. You know, within the first couple of days, I can tell she's not going for that. I don't need this one. I ain't got time for that. I need this one. You know, it's not, you want to, well, I don't want to seem like I'm writing a book about it, 
But you wanted to find a girl that had low self-esteem. It's not hard to find low self-esteem people in the world. Right, right, right. You know, you wanted right. to find a girl that not only had low self-esteem, they came so it's like a week. Say it again. Say it again. Say it so again. A strong like, woman doesn't qualify. A strong woman doesn't I qualify. I said a strong woman. Right, because they fight back. You don't want nobody that's going to fight back. You need somebody that you can control, manipulate, dominate. If I say go sit in the corner, you go sit in the corner. And so you would so you would actually practice your tactics or some of them you just kind of ease in and you just get you get progressively worse. Well, I wouldn't say practice. But I mean, yeah, you'll put it out there, you'll be like, "Hey, hey, you know, hey, go go sit in the corner, man, or shut up." You'll you'll say something like verbally to see if they they would go for that first. You mean like a test to put my feelings out? Yeah, yeah. When how you start testing them first? You just can't come out like you say. You just came and couldn't come off the top what with an elbow in their face. Well, nah. But sometimes you can, and you can be sympathetic. Oh, I apologize. You have well, sex with her, and it's all well, forgiven. Okay. You know, it depends on the female. Every female doesn't operate the same, whether it's abusive or non-abusive. Okay. You know, if I know that you got a history of dudes beating you up, I probably got a good chance of assaulting you on the first date and getting away with it. Wow. And how did you select these women? You just said you just found out if they if they they pass was all jacked up. So would you come out and ask, or you just would you know before you start your intimidation factors, would you come out and just say, okay, well this is what it is. I'm gonna you know, uh, start out, I'm, I'm going to give her a little bit, you know, and then I'm going to go ahead and ask her questions about her past and make sure her brothers or – what if she had brothers? I mean – You know, and that's the crazy thing, man. Well, let me address the first part. And you was there when this word was introduced to me. And at first I was offended by it, but after thinking about it, the term applies. I was a predator. I played on certain types of females. Okay. So – if the female didn't meet the need of my prey at the time, then she wasn't preyed upon. But this one over here, she's always by herself. She doesn't have a lot of friends. She has a lot of free time. Like when you call her, she always wants to talk and connect. Something's not right with this picture. Something's not right with her. So she's a potential candidate. Now, when you talk about fathers and brothers, you'll be surprised. I've come across some that had fathers and brothers. Um, I don't know if they went home and mentioned it or not. Um, but primarily, that's one thing you look for, somebody that don't have that kind of connection in their life. You don't want a girl that got six brothers because she probably going to be tougher than you. She got six brothers. <laughs> right. You know, hey, you man, know that came from a single home maybe. Or home within the father, but the father was a drug addict or alcoholic or something, you know, because you could be abusive but not an alcoholic, and it's looked at as, okay, well, at least my dad was a drunk. He's not a drunk, you know. And part of this is the female mindset, you know. Like I say, her dad was a drug addict. I, well, I was a drug addict, too. When we first started, I wasn't a drug addict. Mm-hmm. So in her mind, I was better than her dad because I was – on top of things, 
so to speak, but I wasn't a drug addict. You know, so it, it, part of it is the female mindset, and you play on that mindset. Wow. Somebody had a question. Go ahead. Yeah, why did you, it sounds like you had like a need to find somebody that you can beat up on. Why Why is that? I feel it became an addiction. So ultimately you knew in dating them that you would get to the point of putting your hands on them and that's really what you wanted? Not with every relationship, but with, I would say, you say 85%. It was going to end up in that. Some kind of control was going to come about. It might not have been putting my hands on them, but some type of control was going to come about as a result of us hooking up and dating. And you learned that from the streets? I learned that from the streets. Because to me that seems a little bit different. I can understand if you're in a relationship, you're just looking for a normal relationship, and maybe she get on your nerves or maybe she might be a little too crazy, a little too whatever, and you may end up smacking her. But it sounded to me like what you was on was something different. You wasn't just looking for a relationship. It sounds like you was really trying to find somebody you can beat up. Okay, let me clarify that. Initially, the control tactics I would show is what I would meet a woman and I begin to implement. Eventually, it became an addiction. So now I need a woman that I can jack up. I need a woman that I can boss around. I need a woman that I can control her thoughts, her actions, her words. Initially, I was looking for a relationship but didn't know the proper etiquette to maintain the relationship. I didn't know you're supposed to sit down and we want to talk it out. I didn't know we're supposed to sit down and, you know, handle it rationally. I was told if she don't comply, you give her an iron hand. That always brings home compliance. And I found it to be true. Mm. But at some point, like I say, it became a compulsion. It became an addiction. I don't want you if I can't put my hands on you. I can't yell at you. All right, I'm going to lose your number. So when you when these women, like, you, you met them, and if you wanted to, uh, if you saw that they had family, if you saw, how did, did you ever introduce these women to your family? Because somebody that you know in your circle, you eventually gonna have to bring her around them, and sometimes those people would talk to her and say, "Hey, you know, you know, Chris be knocking niggas, you know, you know, Chris be knocking people out, you know, you you don't never, I mean, did you ever bring her around any of your family that or people that knew you to do something like that?" Well, my wife, I brought around my family because we were married. Other females who I victimized in my trail of mischief, probably not, because I'm not really big on people meeting my family like that. Even now, in the non-abusive state, you don't really need to meet my family and my kids unless we engage. Okay, so nobody nobody ever dimed you out, is what I'm saying. I mean, to the police. But, no, uh-uh. Uh, what I'm what I'm asking is, any of your friends or your family members saw your wife when you brought your wife around, or before she became your wife? Did they say, "Hey, you know, you might want to watch Chris"? You know, have you hit you yet? You know, oh, did no. they ask? Because my family didn't know about this behavior. 
Oh, okay. My okay. family didn't know about this until I started speaking and doing radio shows and advocating and all that. Then they learned about this, and they were like, wow. I mean, I knew that there was something there, but I didn't know what it was. And I think a lot of my family were kind of caught off guard and shocked that I would practice such behavior. But they didn't know. It was kept strictly on a need-to-know basis, and my family did not need to know. <laughs> now, what was your daddy at? Oh, my dad was in Atlanta living up the good life. He left when I was two. We reconnected when I was 34-ish, maybe I'm 39. It's been about five years. We reconnected, but he wasn't around. He scooted off. Did you have a stepfather? I had a stepfather for a little while. That's a good question. Um, I had a stepfather for a little while. And um, I was probably 14 or 15 or so. It was only a couple of years of my life. And at the time, of course, I ain't know nothing about domestic violence and abusive relationships. But I, as I reflect back on that, he was kind of abusive in his own way. He was controlling in his own way. He, he, my mom allowed him to be that way. You know, privileges we had when it was just me, my mom, my sister, when we got to him, if he would say, oh, no, I don't like that, well, that ain't a privilege no more. And I'm like, but, you know, this is cool just two weeks ago. Now you and him together, well, he has the final word, you know. And, I mean, one day we got into an explosive argument, and uh, he grabbed me up and threw me on the couch, but my shirt was in his hand. Mm. And at that moment, you know, I left that house. Oh. What's your phone? Go ahead. Yeah. Somebody got a question? Go ahead. Say again? Somebody had a question? Go ahead. Oh, uh, I didn't have a question. I was going to speak, man. What was the question? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, okay. I, I, I have a question. Um, yeah. Uh, Am I on right now or what? Yeah, I can hear you. What's your question? Yeah. Hey, man, you know what? I was listening to brother speak. I grew up with a dad, and uh father told me, I mean, at an early age, he was telling me that um, either you control your woman or she's going to control you. He would tell me things like that at seven or eight all the way through I was 19 and 20, about women. And he told me a lot of little things, man, about women. And a lot of things he said were, were true, you know. Now that I'm 49, he was just telling me about women. Now, I'm not a crude guy, but uh, if you don't control your woman, man, she's going to run you, you know. So, well, a, a, a lot way of to control, though. There's a way, there's an order and a discipline every day. And abusing a woman is not. I, I don't mean. I don't mean beating a woman or anything like but that. That's or, what, or, uh, but that's or, what they're uh, talking about right now. Uh, any type of control. That. I yep. think any type of control. I mean, when you say controlling your woman, well, I, that's yeah. kind of vague. I mean, you can't go to the store, or no, I you better be home by ten o'clock. I mean, what is controlling your woman? Controlling women, like okay, I see a lot of guys out with their women, and their women are out of order. I see guys getting pressed out in the store by their women, talked to, talked down to by their women. I see that a lot. And that tells me that these dudes have no control over their women's behavior. Some women don't know when to shut up sometimes. When, they're, when you know, you, I'm talking to a dude and the woman interrupts a man. That's telling me you don't have any control of your woman if you allow your woman to interrupt you when you're talking. Mm-hmm. Those little mm-hmm. things... Those are little things that men need to start controlling as far as their woman, you know. And a lot of men 
aren't exercising masculine energy over the females. Now, I, I know you guys might think I'm a cool dude, but I'm really not. You really, brothers need to start exercising some little control over the females because women actually, they actually want it, to be honest. Can I ask it. a question? Can, yeah. can, can, I, can I ask a question? Sure. Wouldn't it be better? Wouldn't it be better to say not so much control rather than you don't allow certain things in, in, in your circle as a man? Because control is a word of I want this person around, but I want them to do what I say. But I think what you what 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 I I, I think it would be better. And you tell me if I'm wrong, but I think it would be better if you had the self-awareness of a man to be like, I'm not going to allow myself to be treated in X amount of way. Which one do you think is the greater? I think control is the word that I, I meant. I know you don't like the word, but that's the word that I'm using because it applies here. A lot of women really need to be controlled. They're out of order. They're out of order, a lot of them, because men are exercising. I, you know what? I'll give you a very good story. I took... Uh, my first wife to a trip to Atlantic City one time when I was first dating her. She started drinking a little bit. She lost all of her money on the blackjack table. Who, who, who does she blame the next day? Tell me, who does she blame for that? Think about it. Who does she blame? Hmm. Yeah, who oh, does she blame? Blame, blame who she blame? Blame you. Who? She, she blame she'll me. blame the man. She'll blame she blamed me because I didn't control right. her. That's why, okay? That's... <laughs> Yes, but, 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 the, the, the thing I think that a lot of men, if we're going to go there, I don't think it's the control part. I think it's the respect part that a lot of men forget to do. If your own woman doesn't even really respect you, then where the hell are you with that person? That I do agree. I feel, I feel a lot of men forget that word respect. I'd rather have respect of a woman than the love. But but to stand in the other gentleman, what what I'm suggesting to you, and again, you don't have to agree, you got your own word, but I think you you are you are saying I would rather dominate this situation rather than not be involved with this situation. Meaning, like I would I would rather be at a job that does what I want the job to do rather than find another job that pays the same and is better for me. So I, I, that's, that's why I think you're kind of losing me. At no, first, I'm not first. what I'm saying. That's, I'm, I'm saying, you know what, you know what the problem with you, man? I'm saying what I'm saying. For some reason, you aren't getting it. Okay. Okay, okay, hold what, on, hold on, What I'm saying is what I'm saying, man. Jesus Christ, hold on. I'm saying I got what I'm saying. Well, I'm just All right, this. thank you. I understand this. Hold on, let me ask you a question yeah. first. Go one, ahead, day when I was, one day when I was on this show, and I'm listening to your voice. I don't know you, but one day when I was on this show, there was a guy that said marriage is like having cable with one channel. Was that yeah, you? I said that. That was me, right. man. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> when we factor in your words control with you having a life that's a cable with one channel, it all becomes clear to me. But what you also <laughs> got to understand, brother, is some men like a woman that's going to cut them out. Someone like some, some men like a some women like the man that's going to beat them up, you know. So because we see things happening in the environment that we're not uncomfortable with, that man might be okay with this woman going off on him in the store. That's not. Yeah, but whoa, whoa, whoa! But I think no. it's because a lot of it. I think it's a lot of men do accept that because they think in their mind they're supposed to accept that because a lot of things society told them a woman is always right, a man is always wrong. 
We live in a society that that, that no. is trauma no. that, that is from a TV show to everything that man being man is not accepted in our society. Being uh, being uh, basically a punk, being somebody who basically sugarcoat a woman, being somebody who holds a woman's purse, who's always nice, is accepted. But being stand up as a man and say to a woman, no, I'm not going to accept you treating me that way. No, I'm not going to accept you doing this. All the manhood that we used to, used to have, we don't Excuse have it anymore. Can, can, can you hear me? Yeah. Can I? Go ahead. Yeah. Can hear me? All right, gentlemen, listen, um, that's one. These all these points are valid, but um, I come from the perspective, the actual perspective, that a man actually is a king. All right. Now, now having said that, now everybody says cool things like that, but the reality is, can everyone still hear me? I hear a lot of static. What is that? Something. Okay. Yeah, okay. And, and, right. and everybody, well, reality, and everybody the reality moves. Hold on, Lopez. 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 Is that Lopez? Uh, yeah, that's me. Okay, let me let me start off by introducing you first. You you're my third guest, but we're going to come back to Chris. But Lopez, you you got a lot of insight, and I'm gonna let you go ahead and start what you're saying. But everyone who's on the phone, since we got a lot of callers, can you guys mute your phone so um so everyone until you're ready to talk, just mute your phone so we can hear um Mr. Lopez or we can hear all the speakers talk. Go ahead, Mr. Lopez. Go ahead. Now now, now this this perspective that I have is this what I call the king perspective and. And as cool as that may sound and as everyone's running around, queen, this, king, this, listen, the ultimate responsibility, the ultimate situation here is that as men, as men, we're responsible for our actions. And control is the exact word that needs to be used, but it's in the wrong direction. What you need okay, well, why don't you, why don't you, well, uh, Mr. Lopez, why don't you first tell us your experience with intimidation, and then we can tie that control of what he's saying into your story. Okay, uh, well, well, gentlemen, uh, I grew up an athlete, a fighter. I was a United States Marine. Uh, pretty much, if, if you can, if it, if it bleeds, I can kill it, is what I am. All right, I'm a walking, talking, the real deal, killing machine. Um, I lived in a marriage for nine years within the same home with a woman who punked me day in and day out. What do you mean? Uh, the way that she, she did the what way that, to you? I said punk. Punked you, okay. All right. Okay, she punked me. Now, now, see, the thing about the way she punked me was it was very subtle. It was very subtle. It was it was what was necessary when it was necessary. Um, and intelligent, just like Chris, Chris, just like Chris, kind of pretty much laid the foundation for it. You know, if a person is predatory, if a person has that type of uh, mentality, that control by any means necessary, then that's what they, that's what they control with. Whatever works is what they will use. Whatever you, will let, whatever you, you let them use on you is what they will apply. And because I was a child, even though I was 23 years old, I was a child as far as my maturity and relationships was concerned. When I married my uh, ex-wife, she, she, when she entered the, the relationship, she was actually not. She was very mature because she had run a household for years because of her mother being injured. So she had she had all the tools that were required to run a home. She had all the tools that were required to manipulate, well, with, yeah, to, to manipulate children and to manipulate mentalities like my own at that time because I hadn't grown up yet. Um, and that's what she did. Now, the catch, the catch was the thing that probably sustained the marriage for the longest or allowed her to intimidate me for such an 
for such a long period was the fact that I, I had been an abused kid. I was beat by my father. I was emotionally abused. Um, I, I'd been an abused kid, and I built up these very significant defenses against being abused, such as the ability to walk away and turn it off. And within the first year of my marriage, within the first year, my well, year and a half, my ex-wife hit me. And in my life, that was the one thing you could not do to me. You couldn't hit me. But I had this intense passion for my marriage. So when she hit me, what happened is I turned off. I turned off my emotions toward her. I turned off my feelings towards her. I turned off everything at that moment, within in a year and a half into the marriage. I just turned it off. And what I became was a robot in the marriage. And I just so you- remained. And I don't know if anybody else here has ever served or done any military time, but in the United States Marine Corps, trust me, there was plenty for me to do to, that I didn't have to really interact with my wife during the marriage. So when I came home, all I had to do was avoid it. Hmm. So you mean to tell me your 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 ex wife when she hit you did she just slap you like like Chris slap like Chris would slap it women? Was, it was one slap. She slapped me once. Well, the marriage was over since she slapped I, you, bro. It was over. Say again. Since she slapped say you again. and got away with it, your marriage was over. Yeah. Well, uh, I now listen. I, as far as the, uh, the getting away with it part, um, the marriage being over, the marriage being over. I don't know what made the marriage be over. I'm gonna take it was over. It was over that. when she slapped you. When she slapped you, you didn't. But, um, the marriage was over. She lost respect for it. It was over. Trust me. Yeah, uh, that, 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 I, I have to I, agree I, with him. I appreciate that. I, I have to agree with him. As soon I, as she slapped you, the marriage was over. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate the input. I appreciate the input, but I disagree. All right. <laughs> So, um, you because, 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 let me ask you the question. If, if the role was reversed, as a man, if you would hit a woman, wouldn't you say to any woman as a friend that the marriage is over? If a, no. a man has the audacity no. of hitting a woman? No. When you hit a woman, two things happen. Either she leaves you or she's yours. Okay? That's it. Gentlemen, 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 all right, well, let me. Let me get to this point right here, because this is actually, I think, after listening. And by the way, Mitch, dude, all I can say to you is uh, wow. Uh, wow, wow, and wow. That's an amazing story. Um, I, don't, I don't know how you survived that. I thought my ex-wife was a horrible, horrible, horrible human being, man. She's bad. But, but <laughs> you, have really, you have really lived something, and your story definitely – needs to be it, that needs to be written down and diagnosed or dissected just just for all the input. But moving, I, I digress. Let me get back to let me get back to this because the most right. important thing, the most important yeah. thing here, and I, I don't know what gentleman was that said the word control, but control is the most important thing. But the control that needs to be applied is the control over yourself. Right. You control control, and you can only control yourself when you know yourself. And if you don't know yourself, then it's pointless. If you don't know yourself, your ship, your ship with no sail, you can be directed by things that have nothing to do with you. You don't know your heart. You're not serving your purpose. So the most important thing that needs to take place before you do anything, forget marriage. I remember the gentleman said a little earlier something about, um, you know, the first thing that he asked. Well, I think it was this. You know, the first thing when he hears about somebody getting married is he asked, how long did you know? No, that's not mm-hmm. that's, I, I appreciate that, Mitch. But the question that needs to be asked is, who are you? Do you mm. know yourself? 
because if you, you know love? yourself, you won't choose. Yeah, do you love yourself? And you yeah, won't you pick a yourself. woman that does not love you. You won't yeah. pick a woman that does not support <laughs> who you actually are. Yeah, you you won't accept you won't accept yeah exactly you won't exactly. accept a woman you, stepping on you you, you won't accept a, a woman slapping hey, hold on, you hold on, hold on. Yeah. hold on hold on everybody everybody uh, can't talk at the same I'm time sorry. So let's let's kind of get in sorry, line a little sorry. bit I'm sorry go ahead. I, I just want to interject something man, about females I was raised by guys <laughs> and I, I hate to say that I hate to say this but a, a lot of you dudes are probably raised by by women and I wasn't so uh, women women probe us as men. They always put our finger on our chest. They probe us mentally to see if there's something in there. And they keep pushing and pushing and pushing because they want a reaction. They, they want to see what you're made of. And a lot of men don't know how to get these women from stop probing you. And you keep letting women probe you. And they keep probing us and probing you and probing you. And that's why a lot of brothers are having all these problems with these females because you keep letting them probe you. Because women want to know what's there. What are you made of? That's why they're probing you, man. And you guys let them get in the way with. I'm not a, I'm not a woman beater, but mm. I have to have a little bit. I got to exercise some control over these females a little bit, man. I mean, can I ask about, Chris a question? Yeah, yes, sir. Hey, uh, Chris. Um, uh, uh, full full disclosure. Uh, I did the same thing you did at 16. Uh, so I do understand all the uh, addiction to it. But here's my question. Just out of curiosity, what was the first two uh, violent things that you saw as a kid? The first two violent things I saw as a kid. Well, who are you talking to first, Cat Classy? Who are you talking to? I had said Chris. Chris. I can't hear you, Classy. What'd you say? I, I had said Chris. Oh, oh, you're talking to Chris. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. If my memory serves me correctly, when I was about seven, my mom was dating some guy. We would go over to his house a lot. Um, one night, uh, she came out of the room. I don't know, they've been fussing, fighting. But she was crying and hollering, I want to go home, take me home. Right. I never really was clear the results of what happened that night. But I remember that very clearly. Right. Um, and did you, do you feel like you blocked a lot of it out? Well, that was a one-time thing. Oh, okay. The second, I guess, violent event would probably be something that I did because although we here we talking about my violence towards females and intimidation towards females, I was an all-around violent guy. It wasn't That's just right. limited to women. I was, I, I, I can tell you, I, I don't know how much time we got, but I'm, I'm going to give you a short story real quick. I was dating a girl. This girl lived uptown. She was uptown chilling. She thought I was in the hood doing my, my thug thing. And, but I was doing that, but I was doing it over another girl's house. This right. is another girl I was creeping with. Well, there was another girl I was creeping with, a third girl. She drove up on this block in a car with another dude. I don't know what she was doing around there, but she drove on the block with another dude. I went into the girl's house I was with and got her back. Yeah. I went crazy on this girl's car. Now, why I go crazy on her car? I'm creeping, she creeping. It should be like, all right, we either. But no, that ain't how it works. <laughs> I, I went, you ever seen Bomber Shop when the girl took the bag, just like Michael Brown car? I, I was right. one of them type, but I, I was like that on her car. And you then know, I put I, the I, bat down. I put the bat down and walked away like nothing ever happened. 
You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to be quiet for the rest of the night. Um, I was an abuser as well at 16. And the reason I asked those questions is because I self-fixed myself because I realized that there wasn't programs, anger management, none of that stuff was helping. So I'm saying this not to, you know, I'm saying this hopefully that it helps. So give me a second, Darren. Go ahead, man. I was extremely violent in California, selling drugs, blah, blah, blah. And how it relates to the relationship, when I first hit the chick that I cared about, which was my baby mom's, uh, I didn't understand why I did it. And I did the classic, I'll never do it again. But I did not realize that I had taken a snapshot of when my father hit my mother and knocked her into the Christmas tree. It wasn't until later in life that I realized that was the first part, first time I saw that type of anger slash power, which is why I identified when the brother said what he said. I had to ultimately fix myself and understand what, uh, what the Mr. Leon said, which was that the ultimate power is you. When you realize that you're king, when you realize that, that your self-love, self-preservation is more important, then you don't feel the need to be angry at chicks, hit chicks, or what have you. The mm-hmm. only part I disagree with some of the other gentlemen as they speak, I feel that anger and because I used to be. And like, and like Chris just said, I wasn't just angry at females. I loved to hurt dudes, especially dudes taller and bigger than me. I took off the axe. Oh, man, seriously. I took off the axe handle. I, I would go at your fibula. I mean, I, I was at you. So my thing is it came from that violence that I saw early as a kid. And I think in order for, for, for gentlemen to fix themselves, if they want to, they have to do what Leon has suggested, which is what has helped me throughout these years. You've got to self, self-check you. <laughs> yeah, and you've got you to correct you. Otherwise, you'll be mad at women all your life. But I'm going to share the mic on that point. And you okay, can't see cases left and right, too. Hold on, you don't want to get cases either. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. So I can... can I respond to that, brother? Yes, go ahead, Chris. Okay, uh, first, the dude, his name is Lopez. But, Thank you. Um, I, I commend you on the self-fixability. I do agree that anger management, domestic violence, none of those programs, transitional things work for me either. Um, it was like you said, I took a self-evaluation, and I started getting therapy. That helped with my anger, and I helped with my rage, I helped with my, my a lot of stuff it helped with. And, I mean, my last relationship before the young lady I with now was almost 10 years long. There was no verbal abuse, no physical abuse. I never wanted to talk out, none of that, because, you know, I I, I learned that, you know, because some guys be like, I feel like choking her out, but they're not going to do it. I never even feel like choking her out. You know, I learned that, like you said, I had a self-worth. I had a value, and this wasn't me. This was a behavior that was bestowed upon me, but it was a wrong behavior. And now I have to learn how to do things correctly. And I want to say I'm so on point with my behavior now. I'm actually, I do relationship coaching, you know, so I'm like, darn, you know, my book says this, that, and the third, so I have to live this life. So because right. I advocate for domestic violence, because I do relationship coaching, because I have these radio shows I do where we talk about enhancing relationships, my lifestyle has to emulate that. So my walking life is 
challenging from day to day sometimes because you might invite me to, uh, let's say, your wedding anniversary. You've been married for 10 years. You want the fellas to get together at the club and say, get turned up. Well, I can't come to the club and get turned up because if I get turned up, I'm going to get violent again. I haven't learned how to get drunk and not be violent. I just learned how to not drink. So mm-hmm. I can't go to that function. Or if you was having this event, say, like a strip club, I can't do that because you know, I used to be a sex addict. So strip clubs is like one place I cannot ever be in life. So mm-hmm. every day as I move through life, I first, I only leave my house if I got somewhere to go. I don't leave my house just to be out and about because I find myself in a precarious situation. I know that about myself. And when I'm out, my steps are directed. I'm going here, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and then I'm coming back home. And it may seem like a lot for somebody else, but for me, it was a lot in the beginning, but now I've learned how to manage and direct my life. It's not a whole lot to deal with, and it works. I'm not saying mm. you should try or the next man should try because it ain't going to work for you, but it works for Chris. And right. so I'm pretty stable now. I'm pretty solid now. I've learned how to sit down and discuss things. Um, I've only intimidated the young lady I'm engaged to. One time we had an argument while we were out, and I recklessly drove home. And she was like, you don't even care. I said, trust me and believe I care. Because when I got the traffic cameras, as reckless as I was driving, I slowed down so we wouldn't get no tickets. So, mm-hmm. trust me, it's still some care in there. But I wanted to just shake you up a little bit, and I don't really think it worked. But after mm-hmm. that, I was like, you know what? See, you're reverting, you're relapsing, you need to get control of yourself. And I've never done it again. You know, and again, I'm in therapy once a week for 45 minutes. We go to couples therapy together once a week. We go to a group called RCA, Recovery Couples Anonymous. We go together as a couple with 10 other wow. couples. You know, never level couples, however many people there. And they tell their story. Sometimes I tell my story. Sometimes I just listen, you know. Right. So we do things together as a couple. You know, we both have personal therapy, couples therapy, and recovery groups together. I have my independent mm-hmm. support groups. She has her independent support group. But we're recovering right. and we're growing together as a couple. And to mm-hmm. me, that's the key to making relationships successful. Do everything now, is as that, a couple. Is that your... Is that your wife now, or y'all going to get married, or? That's my fiancé is the proper term, because we're engaged. Oh, okay, okay. Well, congratulations, man, and and I know it's going to be a successful marriage because you're, you're definitely doing the right things to, to go in that direction. How long y'all been engaged? A couple of weeks. <laughs> Maybe a month or so. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. How long? Hey, 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 check this out. How long have you known her? <laughs> How long have I known her? How long have we been dating? How long y'all been how long y'all been dating? For two years was two years in July. So she know she know all your past and she trusts that she's safe. She know all my past. She even know about indiscretions that happened during the relationship. Um, things like that. She was going okay. you know, we we were we were we were we were going through a phase where we were disconnected. But we regrouped, we reconnected. I told her this is what I did. She told me this is what I did. And I said, okay, I'm going to accept that. You accept that. Let's move on. And we moved okay. on. And we're doing okay. it as a couple. Man. Well, man, Chris, um, you're the kind of brother that Classy always talks about 
that done been through some stuff, came out of that, that grind, went through that process, and then fixed himself, like he said earlier, you know. I never know. I know Classy had a little pimp in him, but, you know, I, we, this is our first time knowing his background. So I, I appreciate you sharing that with us, Classy, man. That was a, that, that's an awesome testimony, bro. Um, but I really wanted to get back to Lopez, Mr. Lopez. Um, I, he said he, he ended up saying that his wife was hitting him, and he, he was doing things in the Marines that kept him preoccupied from coming home and to be with his family. Did y'all have kids, Mr. Lopez? Yeah, we have two boys. Y'all had two boys. So when you came, when you came in, you was, you was keeping yourself from them too, right? Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. And that's, uh, that's why they became a source of, um, uh, source of uh, I, I want to say firepower or just a point of contention uh, in the sense that she would, she knew that the only way that she could hurt me because she had been turned off was by things that would affect the children. So when you say when you say you turned her off and you was doing things in a ro- in a marriage like a robot, I mean was sex included in that or was cooking or what do you mean by a robot? Because you know, well, you I mean things. you know, there's a certain mentality. There's a certain mentality. I was uh, also uh, a member of the Nation of Islam for years. Okay. Uh, with my father, my father remember the nation of Islam, and um, there's a certain mentality, a military, a militant type mentality that you develop, where you you literally have the ability to separate your feelings from the things you do. Okay. You, you very literally have a switch that you turn off, and that switch served me well throughout most of my life until I actually, you know, chose to be involved in real relationships after my divorce. And that's when I found out that uh, I didn't know anything. <laughs> so when when she hit you and you turned yourself off, she shouldn't have hit you no more because you was basically like a robot now, right? Well, at that point, what happened is, like I said, rather than rather than deal with her, um, I just conformed. I did what was, you know, rather than fight with her, I, I just did what was uh, what was expected of me. Uh, as far as dealing with her, which was pretty much not say my opinion, um, not really request any intellectual uh, conversation, just uh, pretty much be the you know be the picture. She wanted a picture of a she wanted this strapping you know strapping young man to be her husband, and she wanted that pretty you know picket fence look, and that's what I provided for. Her. Oh wow, that's I mean so. Did, did she hit you again after that? I mean, because it, it don't seem like it was necessary for her to continue well, to hit you. Well, eventually, uh, eventually what happened was in 2002, in 2002 I got hurt. And when I got hurt in the Marine Corps, you know, the Marine Corps had actually become my marriage. I was actually more, I was more emotionally invested in the military than I was in her. So mm-hmm. when the threat of losing the Marine Corps became real, I started looking at her and it, and I realized that I started doing a lot of self-introspection. And once I did that, I realized this is not a marriage. I don't know what this is, but I don't want it anymore. And what I did is I went to her and I told her I want a divorce. I didn't like who I was, and this was horrible. I want a divorce. And when I told her that, she said no. And immediately she said no, no divorce, right. And immediately from that point, she began to digress and actually show that and actually reveal that all the uh, violence and aggression 
that she had been holding inside had always been there. It was just expressed through verbal things and things of that nature and maybe some silent intimidation. But, you know, once she realized, once she had no reason to withhold at that point, then the hands, the gloves came off. And she started so coming she, at me like my type. What, what, I mean, so she started punching on you or? Oh, yeah. She, it, it became a very regular occurrence, yes. So wait a minute. So you were when you say you got hurt, was you uh, able to walk still, or you just was like yeah, on? Yeah, I was. I was. It was a it was a strange injury that that really kind of defied medical science and whatnot. But it um, but in the grand scheme of things, it it didn't translate into me not being capable of handling myself. So you could have did something, but you you chose to take the approach of look, man, just, just you know, slow down on some of them punch punches. Oh, indeed. I mean, I like I. I like I said, I taught people to kill people every day uh, for somewhere in the area 10 to 12 hours a day. Um, and I knew that if I ever swung at her one time, just once, just one time, then we, then that's the end of that. You know, now I'm done. No matter what I do after this point, I'm done. There's no recovering from, from hitting her. Um, but, but on top of that, I was always taught, and I think this was improper, though. I was always taught to never hit a woman. Now, I disagree right. with that today. I disagree with that today, actually, because a woman can kill you. <laughs> New okay. flash. A woman can kill you. And if you're just going to sit there and she's going to come at you with a pot and pan, guess what you might be? Dead. Right. So, um, right. so what we need to be is intelligent. We need, to be, we need to be angry. We need to be passionate. But more than anything else, we need to be intelligent. And so I was intelligent enough to know to defend myself, to protect myself, but I never – hit her, always just covered up. I knew how to do that very easily. So I just protected myself and made sure she never left marks that when I went to work would be revealed as, you know, like abuse. Hey, Lopez. So you didn't t- Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Rod. Hey, Lopez, um, you said this is your ex-wife? Right. Are you remarried today? Negative. Are you intimidated by marriage? Uh, actually, no. I'm very excited about marriage now. Okay. Just checking. So you got a girl now, right? I do indeed. Okay. How's that relationship? Uh, it's actually it's awesome. It's probably the best relationship I've ever had in my actually no probably. It is the best relationship I've ever had in my life. Um it's a very it's it's I really can't describe it. It it is literally everything I ever dreamed of. Okay. <laughs> you better say that. <laughs> 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 But, but th- hey, I gotta ask you this though. I gotta ask you this: when when she was hitting on you, and you in a in a in a Marine Corps, or you in a ni- United States uh, service that has help for things like that, why couldn't you just call the MPs and say, "Hey, this woman just hit me. Can can I press charges? I mean, could you press charges? Because if if she was on the oh, other foot, she would be able to. Of course, of course. But you already know the answer to that. You well, already not know everybody. the answer to why. Not, never, not, 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 not everybody else know that. Okay. Well, the, the answer is this, gentlemen. Uh, we now, know the answer one, to that too, buddy. One, one of the things I enjoyed very significantly in the Marine Corps was the fact that when I walked into a room full of men with my chest sticking out and I opened my, vo- opened my mouth and my voice came out, they looked at me and they said, that's that Sergeant Lopez. Don't mess with that man. Don't mess with that man. That man right there can handle business. That that Marine right there is what it's about. The last thing I ever wanted to do, ever, 
was to expose the chinks in that that armor that that would forever change the way I was perceived. So you you was not only intimidated by your your ex wife, you was also intimidated by your by right. the by the Marine Corps. Right, by the, the persona that we uh you know, that we the bravado that a Marine has. The uh the concept that uh, you know, we're it's we do anything, we can do anything, we can handle anything, we're the toughest, baddest you you know the drill. And I didn't wanna um I didn't ever wanna surrender that because I it, it was my place, you know, it was I actually gave a speech once when I reenlisted to a group of men, and that speech included this this statement right here. The Marine Corps is the last stronghold for men. It is the last place where you can be a man. Now, I did not know <laughs> at that time mm. I was talking about myself. <laughs> wow. But, um, yeah, but, but I was. I was, in fact, saying that this is a place where I can come in and I can be me. I can open my mouth. The base can come out. And it's going to be received and appreciated, you know, that I'll be applauded for my masculinity. I'll be applauded for being a strong individual. I'll be applauded for having an opinion. So you hey, Lopez. Me. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mom. Lopez, um, with your ex-wife and, uh, and your manhood, you, you took it as because you had a, a woman with issues that made her want to put her hands on a man. I'm sure she didn't. I'm sure you weren't afraid of her. Why did you think that that made you less of a man? Because you had a crazy wife. Well, because I mean, again, this is why I said that thing about loving myself or or, or having you know that real king mentality. Um, I didn't have that. You know, I didn't have that sense of value. I didn't have that that sense that I'm worth. You know, that I'm something that's worth. Or that no matter what happens external to me or whoever is interacting with me, that whoever these people are has no bearing on who I am. Who I am is who I am, and I need to stand in that. I didn't have that perception. I didn't have any idea that that counted. <laughs> hmm. Got so it. We... No, I, 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 I agree with that, and, and um, that, makes, that makes perfect sense to me. I mean, I, I can. I mean, it's just again. It's me. Chris and I actually used to, to be on a radio show together um, called Funny Thing Happened, and it was about relationships. And what I, what we found is, and I, and Chris might agree with this, is we kept. It always seemed like no matter what the topic was, no matter what the topic was, we always eventually returned to this this vein, this same concept, which is self accountability. Self accountability. We we have to want we have to love ourselves. We really we have to understand what that word means. We have to understand that the word love is not a feeling. It's an action. It, there's a feeling that accompanies the action, and that feeling that accompanies the action can grow if you actually do things. But if you don't mm-hmm. do things, that feeling that accompanies that accompanies the action is is hollow. It's pointless. It's just it's just like the wind blowing. So we, we have to love ourselves in an actual practical sense. We have to do things that say we're important to ourselves. So so I, I want to go back to you said that when she took the gloves off, that meant that I mean she was she was at first it was the slaps in the in the beginning, but now it's punches right. being thrown. Now I know that punches, you know, bruises usually come behind that. So Right. Did you go to work with any black eyes? I mean, I ain't trying to be funny, 
But, you know, that stuff, I mean, I know you know how to block, but I, you couldn't block every last one of them. Well, again, I, I mean, I, I, when I say I was used to fight every day, I really mean I used to fight every day. And, um, and I literally used to fight every day. I was used to getting hit in the head and whatever, so I didn't bruise very easily. Taking some, it would have taken some really, it would have taken some hits from somebody like me to put, to put those marks on me that would have really revealed. Now she could have laid some good wood on me, but I, like I said, I, that's what I did every day. I was very good at defending myself. Wow. And then you felt, and then when you went to work, you didn't see no advocacy programs where um, the superiors tons. would keep your. There I'm were sorry. tons of them. There were tons of them. Tons of them. It's uh, one of the biggest things in the military is, is EEO and advocacy programs. There are so many different programs, so many different ways that they reach out to you. And I, as a staff sergeant or as a leader, would always offer these programs to all these different Marines at all times. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just like an addict. You know, nobody can tell you better what's wrong than the person that's got something wrong with them. But can they do it? Can they help themselves is the issue. And I couldn't help myself. You felt that you couldn't help yourself because of your rank in the military. I felt that I couldn't help myself because I didn't love myself. Wow, what brought you I, to I that? Literally, I literally didn't. I, I was in, incredibly angry. I was incredibly angry at the world. I was incredibly angry at my mother, incredibly, incredibly angry at my father for the abuse that he had and, and for their lack of input. And I felt like maybe even my marriage was a result of them not teaching me things. You know, maybe my marriage was a result of, uh, you know, them not telling me how to relate to a woman. I mean, my mother, I, I got no, the, the biggest lesson I got when I was a kid was my mother saying to me, boy, you got your nose wide open. I'm serious. Uh, that is the end of all classes I received concerning the birds and the bees. So mm. every single thing, I, I feel like I have a Ph.D. now in the interaction with the female uh, uh, human, but the bottom line is I got it from the school of hard knocks. Everything I know came with a scar. Every single thing I know came with a scar, and a scar that nobody can ever see because it's inside of me. Mm -hmm. Now, you said that that she told you, no, you couldn't get a divorce. All right, can you expound? She still says today. She still says today that the only reason we're not together is because she doesn't want me. However, I can show you the receipt for the divorce. (laughs) I can show you who got a lawyer for the divorce. I can, I, can, I can give you the tangible items that say one of us wanted it, one of us did not. So you mean, so you mean tell me that when you told her you wanted a divorce and she started beating on you, it, did you get a divorce that time or did you stay married even a little longer than that? We stayed married until 2009. I, my divorce didn't go through until 2009. We didn't get separated until 2006, and that separation occurred because she attacked me in the house, and my mother was present. And when she attacked what? me, I mean, she, yeah, she attacked me in the house when my mother was present. She she was so vicious that she actually hit my mom in the neck with a with a photo, with a uh, a picture that was on the wall. She threw it like a frisbee, hit my mom in the neck, in the back of her neck, and um. I had scratches all over me and everything. She called the cops. She called 911. The cops came, and, you know, the, the normal drill, they, you know, they were going to – she probably would have fired me up if my mom hadn't been there as a witness. Um, 
But the fact of the matter was, my mother was there, so it was very, I, I had a witness, I had somebody who said I did not attack her, blah, 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 yada, yada. They still sent me away from my house for 72 hours, mm-hmm. and we, and we, that was the end. That was the last time we were together as husband and wife. 2005. So it, a, so it took a visit from your mom and somebody that was present that can validate that you wasn't the one that was initiated to before right. you severed your marriage. Right. They, the the most the most the most awesome thing that came out of that day, I'm gonna have to say, was my mother, who had they had no idea of course that this was taking place, went upstairs and she asked my son, Does does your father ever hit your mother? And both of my sons said, no, never. And then she asked, Do, does your mother ever hit your father? And they said, all the time. All the mm-hmm. time. And now, I know that sounds like a crazy thing to, 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 to appreciate hearing, but for me, for me, that was the fact that my sons Validation. knew that their father mm-hmm. never attacked their mother. Mm-hmm. And, and I never, I mean, I didn't send her to jail. I could have sent her to jail that day. I had a witness, and she did attack me. But I wasn't that guy. I'm not that guy. I'm still not that guy. So how long did it take you after you told her you wanted a divorce to get separated? I mean, how long from the time you said I want a divorce up until the time that your mom came to visit? How long was that? Oh, it was four, uh, well, almost, it was three years. Three years. So you you, you told her you wanted a divorce and you stayed in the marriage and continued to get, you know, get bombs dropped on you on a daily right. basis because right. you was wow because i i totally believe i i don't i still don't believe in divorce right now the only reason i divorced her was because i was actually dying i was dying before i before i got married before uh yeah before i got married i was a very creative child a very creative young man i used to draw i used to write i used to do all kinds of things once i became once i got married all that stuff died it went away I didn't draw a single th- – I drew twice during my entire marriage. And I used to draw every day. It was something I used to stay up until the wee hours of the night and do. It went away. There was, there was a part of – the person that I was, the real person I was, died in my marriage. And once I realized that, I was not going to – I was – I just – I was already dead. Um, and I'll, I'll go ahead and drop this. This is, this is, this was probably the key moment. Um. I actually contemplated suicide, uh, and I did that when I was in Japan while I was still a Marine. And what happened was I sat, I sat on the balcony of our, our building on the seventh floor, and I had a handful of sleeping pills and I had a beer. And I was going to, you know, as any Marine knows how to do, you can really kill something. So I knew that if I took the sleeping pills and slowed down my body's metabolic process and then drank that beer to assist, and then jumped off the balcony, off the seventh floor, even if I didn't kill myself with the fall, I would die from the drug, the drugs that had been put in my system. And while I sat there on that balcony and I, I wept, what happened is I started weeping while I was contemplating. And I heard this sound coming out of me that I don't think, I think the only way that you can make that sound is if, if you've lost all hope. And right. in that moment I realized that that's exactly what had happened. I had lost all hope. And once you lose all hope, there's only one way up, man. There's only one way up. Anything. Yeah. <laughs> Anything but this. Anything but this is the only way up. So I took that route. 
I took anything, and that led me a lot of, to a lot of different dark paths for a little while. But I took anything but that marriage until I made it out. So what did you do when you were sitting on that balcony and you, you, you did that, that loud cry? What did you? What was your deciding factor? Did you put down the beer and threw what through the pills off the balcony, or? Well, look, okay. I, you, I know this is not a. This is not. I, I, everybody's when you when everybody was talking about the Bible earlier, it kind of got me a little bit because I was just wishing everybody would stop <laughs> talking okay. about the Bible. But um, okay. I'm going to have to say that what happened was, you know, the Bible says that uh, if you are you still there? Yeah, I'm here, man. Yep. Okay, yeah, I, my car is making some noise on. But uh, that the Bible says that um, you know you make that he would make your enemies your footstool, mm-hmm. and literally I was sitting there about to swallow these pills, and this woman comes home from work early and catches me on the balcony, mm-hmm. and that's what that's what stopped it from happening. I literally, I'm literally here because I'm literally here because of that woman. Literally, the same one who was abusing you. The same one. The very and what same. And what did she do when she came in? Um, well, I mean, you know, just her normal thing. She thought she she really didn't respect me as a human being or as a man. So, you know, for her to see me or find me like that on the balcony, it just, I guess that probably empowered her. It probably made her feel like she had more control. And, of course, she took the bottle from me and the blah, 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 and all that stuff. Or she, she, she started something with me or started a fight because... Because in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't whether I was happy or even whether she was happy. What satisfied her was the fact that I was there. She just wanted me there. I needed to be a part of that picture. Wow. Wow. I mean, that that's powerful, brother. You know, if if you can if you can have the same woman that drive you to that place of suicidal thoughts. And that's the same one that come and saved your life, so to speak. You know, right. by starting by starting an argument with you. I mean, that says something something else because nobody. I mean, you said that you didn't want to. You said earlier that you don't believe in not hitting a woman anymore because that's the way you was raised, right? Right. What I was definitely the, raised to never. Go ahead. Right. So I, I I I was raised the same way, but you said you don't believe in that no more. What did you mean by that? What I mean, liter- very literally, is that a woman can kill you. I trained women to kill, so I know that women can kill you. If a woman wants to kill you, she can kill you just as easily as a man can, with her hands, with devices, with weapons, with whatever. She can kill you. So it is it is quite literally foolishness to teach a man to not to not be willing. He needs to keep it in his back pocket. Defend yourself if necessary, but be intelligent. Be wise. It should be the last, last thing you do. There can, cause there's no I'm sorry. There's no recourse once you've done it. But you mm-hmm. have to understand, if, you're, if your life's on the line, do not die to not hit a woman. Right. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Right. I'm going right. to tell you right now, if it comes down to that point, then she dies. If, it, if we're at this point, she's got a gun, she's shooting at you, look, do not, not, don't die for a woman who's trying to kill you. Don't do that. Right. That's right. right. That's, that's not intelligent. Right. So how did you overcome? It seemed like at that moment on that balcony when she came in, it seems like you overcome your thought, 
your thoughts of suicide, you know, it, you overcame it. How did you, um, so what year was that? After you told her you wanted a divorce, because these top fans are, okay, you told her you wanted a divorce in 2002. When did she catch you on the balcony with the bottle? 2003. Okay, and then you stayed married to another three years after that. Right. So how well, did you I stayed, overcome I stayed married to until 2009. We got separated in 2005. 2005, so that was another three years that you stayed with her right. after that. So that was your only suicide attempt after that? Uh, it was the only attempt. Um, but in effect, I really was just kind of floating around waiting to die after that point for a long time. Um, I didn't know. The Marine Corps did a really good job of training me or making me into something that won't die easily. So I would always, you know, I, I kept myself up. I was always in the gym. I was always doing something that that kept me alive and kept me fit and kept me vibrant. Um, I, I I had no trouble meeting women, so I always had a woman. Always I always had whatever. Always had whatever mm-hmm. I I wanted on the outside. As far as the external man, the external my flesh was always pleased, but my soul was dead. Mm-hmm. My soul so- my soul was dead, and and I it caused me to put myself in situations. And I put myself in situations where bad things could happen. And people didn't know I was doing that, but I did. You know, I would bounce on a regular basis. Um, and when I bounced, you know, I didn't I didn't go with everybody. But if I saw the right person that looked like he might be the one, I, you know, I just, and I wouldn't pick it. I wouldn't pick that fight. But if he really wanted it, then I would go to him and see if what see what he was really about. And mm-hmm. great, grace of God. That's what I'm going to call it. I'm going to call it the grace of God. In these moments, whenever I would do something like that, something about me or something about that moment, God just would change it. It would be different. That that individual would have a change of heart. That individual would do something else. He would do anything but confront me. And and for that reason, I just continued to live for a long time until until uh, I met some brothers some brothers that really started uh, helping me turn my life around. So you stated earlier that um, – I'm sorry for hogging the conversation, gentlemen. Does anybody else got a question? Because I was going to ask you, if you stated earlier that you was you was kind of irritated with us talking about the Bible earlier. But it seems right. like, you know, why were you so irritated if God the one, you know, you give the credit to God to save you? from your your suicidal thoughts and your marriage and all the things that you were going through? Well, let me clarify. My irritation with the conversation about the, with the information about the Bible had nothing to do with my irritation with the Word of God. I'm okay. actually a devout, devout believer. Um, okay. But it, it bothers me when I hear conversation. I just don't believe that there should ever be any argument about Scripture. Right. Scripture stands right. all by itself. You don't need to argue it. It'll, right. it'll, stay, it'll trust me. It'll argue by itself. It'll win. You don't need to prove it. It'll prove itself. <laughs> Anybody else got anything with this, brother? Because I got I got some more questions for <laughs> Because this, this, this kind of throws me back because you don't hear guys come out and say, look, man, this woman was kicking my behind, and I couldn't say anything, and I felt trapped. And, I mean, we done had 200, over 200-some 200 episodes, and then and what <laughs> – dealing with, you done went through every last one of them. You know, so what would you, I mean, from the, from the, it don't seem like you would, did you retire from the military or did you, uh, did you just get out because of all these other well, things? I was, that I, was medi- I was medically discharged, honorable. I was honorably medically discharged. 
Okay, so what would you do different in that situation by uh, in the, staying in the Marines, uh, getting out of the marriage when you said you wanted a divorce? Uh, do you have, she got custody of your kids, I guess, right? Well, we have joint custody. We have joint custody. And, and quite honestly, I have probably – I've never seen a relationship with uh, a father and son. I've never seen fathers and sons that have a better relationship than the one that I have one with my own children. Okay. So that's why the great guys do. Joint, so joint 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 custody is are y'all staying living in the same location or area or um, Yeah, she lives locally and, and so do I. I've always I've stayed locally so that I can always be within proximity to them. But you about to leave though, right? Th- that's correct. My oldest you, is in college. He's, he's literally in college right now, and my youngest is uh, now he's of age where, so that means my oldest will be out of the house within m- literally months. And my youngest is, uh, he will be, uh, well, he won't be out of the house, but he's of the age where he can choose where he wants to live. And uh, okay. I, that bodes well in my favor. That's all I'm going to say. Right. Okay. So if you was in that situation again, what would you do differently? Uh, the most important thing is, as far as the situation itself, I mean, if you have, <laughs> I, I like to say the, the worst, the funniest thing you ever see is a man that's in a fight that doesn't know it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And the saddest thing that you ever see, or the saddest thing you ever know is that it's you. Um, wow. And, yeah, exactly. And and that's, so if you're that person that's in that fight and you don't know you're in that fight and you don't know that you're that person, you know, there's very little that you can do until you've identified what's happening. And because of that, that identification gives you the power or at least a position, the platform to put your feet down and make a decision about the future. And um, so I would have to say to any, any human being, any man, any man, anywhere, anytime, whatever he's doing, the most important thing he can do is look on the inside and find out who he is. Find out, mm-hmm. take the time to develop a relationship with yourself so that you can love yourself and then you can love other people properly and make good decisions concerning them. Awesome. Can I drop, uh, can I drop a monkey wrench, Mr. Host? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> monkey wrench. And you- yeah, you talked about looking on the inside and, and finding, and a man finding himself. And right. my monkey wrench is um, is actually to anyone. And the question is, in what ways is the Married Men on Talk show intimidating? Is this show itself? This show sure. is empowering, I believe. I believe this. I think this show is awesome. I think the concept to, to you, is, to I mean to you, but a lot of men right, find agree, this show agree. intimidating. Right, but a see, lot that's, of men that's find this show that's, intimidating. You know, and I, yeah. I I can appreciate that concept. May I? I'll shut up so somebody else can talk. Oh, go ahead, brother. You got it. Go ahead. Go ahead. You got it. Okay. Okay. But I, I appreciate that concept. Um, this is the deal. This and, and again, like I said before. Uh, I know this is not Bible study and all that, but I'm going to make one more statement. All right? Yeah, go ahead. Just one more. Just one more. And, th- and this is it right here. The, the biggest lie that, that, that men experience as far as the, our, our enemy, let's just, oh, how about this? The biggest enemy that we, that we face as, as men in this society is the lie that our emotions 
and that our that, that we're not emotional creatures. That we mm. don't that we don't have just as much emotional substance as women do. That we don't feel and react as much as women do. We do. We just don't react the same way. And the mm. thing is, the most important thing we can do and, and as far as freeing ourselves up and this is backed by all by science, this is backed by you know, psychological studies, the best thing we can do is get around our peers and open our mouths about our situation. And that will encourage and empower all of us to get beyond these things that are shackling us. Amen, brother. God, well said, man. Good words. words. Anybody got anything for Mr. Lopez or us? Because that, this, this, this was very empowering to us to hear your story and to be able to come out and share this way. You know, because um, this happens more often than we actually think. And just like you, when you was in the Marine Corps, you felt shackled to, to, to keep silent. You know, you didn't want to lose your respect because of what you, was going, going, what, what you was going through at home. So, you know, you was in a Cash 22 your whole military career or your whole marriage life with that woman. So... Let me ask you one, well, one last question. Did she ever get remarried, or uh, she she has uh, she's dated individuals and um, that have supposedly been engaged to her and whatnot, um, but they're not they're not married. She is not remarried. Okay. Hey, I got okay. I want to ask a question before you before you cut it down to Mr. Lopez real quick. Um, Mr. Lopez, you said that you um, pretty much while you were married to the, to your first wife. Um, I guess, in essence, you didn't really know who you were. You didn't really love yourself and things like that. And now you've grown to love yourself. Now, there was a statement uh, the fellas kind of uh, was kind of going back and forth about a little earlier about if a woman puts her hands on you or slaps you, that is pretty much over at that point. And I personally don't agree with that. So my question to you is, considering you went through all this stuff, say the person you are now, and if you were married to somebody, let's just say your first wife or anybody else, if she slapped you, would it be over? If she slapped you now as a person who knows and loves himself, would you uh, shut like uh, you did the, the last no. time? The, the answer is no. It would not be over. But I, I have before, if I'm going to say that, though, I have to give this caveat because I don't have right. a choice. I have to say this, and the caveat is this. If if you 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 have to know what you're capable of doing and what you're capable of living with, and I know what's important to me and what's valuable to me and how you say you love me. So the actual hitting, the actual slapping that anyone does, that's actually a symptom of something else. The hitting isn't the actual illness. The hitting is the symptom. So I'm not. So what I'm going to say is this: I believe that when we know and love ourselves, we can see when somebody's sick, <laughs> and they're not, and they're not going to treat you right. You'll know when there's a sick person. You won't, you won't, you won't lie to yourself about the situation right. before they wind up actually expressing that that illness on you with their hand. Wow, awesome, man. Anybody, anybody can else got anything? For, go ahead. Yeah, I got a question for Mr. Lopez. Do you think that your wife, your ex-wife, has gotten better? Do you think that she has kind of learned from 
ill ways since you actually divorced her? I would like to believe so. I would hope so, but I, I just, just based on things that she does from time to time, I'm inclined to think that she is not. So she hasn't learned anything away from what she, she's she done does. to you. And go ahead. Indeed, indeed, definitely not. Uh, she definitely is, is up to this point. Up to this point, for all I know, right now, this night, she may be turning over that leaf. I don't know, but um, and I, I hope she does for her. You know, I hope she does for her. Um, and, and I'm very thankful for the, the grace that God has extended to my sons to not be poisoned by by the illness that that we went through together. But um, but and I really I really wish her the best. Sure. You know, I really sure. I really yeah. But I as far as thinking that she has, I mean, I'm a proof is in the pudding guy. And when when someone's better, sure. they act better. They act better. And that's just the truth. You know, you can say whatever you want. You're going to act like what you really are. And her actions don't say that she is. So at any point, and I just got two more questions. So at any point, has she ever come to you and says, you know, the way I was a wife to you was wrong? No. Has she ever admit not, No, not at all. No, not once. Not once. Wow. wow. And, and, and so you know what's really, was really, was really sad about that is because of that, it caused me a lot of pain for years because I needed to hear that. I needed her to tell me that she played a role in that. Yeah. And when she didn't do that, what happened is I carried the whole thing for years. Man. And, and that empowered her wow. for years. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't until I don't, I don't even know at what point. That it, that shackle got, got broken, but at that point, you know, I became free. But that's something she definitely enjoyed for years, the uh, imposing that guilt upon me. Got gotcha. Well, I want to speak about your freedom real quick. Just one other, and knowing that probably she didn't change, she's probably the same abusive person, and she's probably resentful for you for even getting out right. of that situation. But have you? thoroughly forgiven her? I have. I have. And now if you it's funny that you ask, of course you gotta ask, but um sure. just maybe I'd say and I've only forgiven her within the last year, I would say. Okay. Okay. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Still good. Cause that's your freedom right there. Yeah. She's got no Amen. more bondage over you. Right. You know, you're a free man. You know, that, that that has no bondage over you. That's just something that you went through. So now you can tell your story to guys like us so we know that things like this actually exist. It's a beautiful right. thing. Right. Yeah. Right. That's... Anybody else, man? I mean, we, we hope that you join us every Tuesday night, man, to uh, to share with some of these brothers because some of them are not transparent. Some of us, I'm, not, I'm including myself too, some of us are not transparent enough because that's not helpful when we're not transparent to other people that's really actually going through something. And I really appreciate your transparency tonight, as well as Chris and um, Mr. Mitchell. So, um, so if anybody anybody got anything else before we switch to open mic? All right, man. We'll we'll talk to you guys later. We'll see you same time next week. Um, we appreciate everybody on the call, and um, and come to the website to see what's next week's show.